Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Maureen in New Zealand, welcome to uh, this Friday and to uh, our show. And uh, on behalf of Brent, uh, who are uh, your local John Deere equipment supplier, we heard from uh, Brent yesterday that uh, they're very busy at the moment, as are most agricultural people throughout the country. But uh, if you're in need of uh, service and if you're in need of uh, any help at all, and plenty of people still are, um, Brent, make contact with Brent. really uh, highly respected in the agricultural industry at the moment and uh, in high demand. We're uh, going to talk to Daniel McCarty very shortly. Now, Daniel, of course, is a cricket commentator, rugby commentator. He's an every thought of commentator, actually. He's one of our family as well. And Daniel is in Wellington for the test match between the Black Caps and England. We're going to get a weather update. Maybe he's had a sneaky look at the pitch, so we, we might get some real conditions from Daniel McCarty and his prospects for the day. Uh, and then uh, we're going to open up the lines at 9.30. Um, of course, uh, it's the start of the Test match, but it's also the start of the Super Rugby season today. And we'd love to hear your comments and your predictions uh, on 0800 150 Is it the Crusaders again? Um, is uh, another coach going to come through and, uh, and put his name in lights this season uh, with his particular franchise coming through? Clark Dermody, Clayton McMillan, Leon McDonald, Aaron Major... Um, they're all, and uh, Jason Holland, of course, uh, snapping at the ankles of uh, Razor Robertson's record. So uh, uh, any of these other franchises, for your f- thoughts anyway, uh, likely to upset the apple cart this time around. Uh, just after 10 o'clock, John Hart, of course, a former All Black coach, but these days uh, he is the tournament chairman for the New Zealand Golf Open, uh, which starts next Thursday. Starts next Thursday. It's raced around, hasn't it? 102nd edition of the Open. Uh, and, of course, that's going to feature Stephen Olker. Uh, the panel this morning will be with Guy Havelt and Aidan McLaughlin. Um, and then uh, we shall give you the opportunity um, to play a stump smithy at uh, 11.30. But before that, uh, we're going to hear an interview uh, which uh, Logan Swinkles did uh, yesterday with uh, Ruben Tarangi, or Tall Black Scarred, of course. Uh, they've got uh, Saudi Arabia and Lebanon this weekend. So it's a big FIBA window of uh, basketball. Um, uh, John Motson passed away, the legendary John Motson passed away. We're going to hear a few clips about uh, John Motson uh, after 11 o'clock as well. And of course, being Friday, we shall have a chat uh, with uh, Mick Guerin. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, I've never been an advocate for more whistling rugby and I won't be again this season, but I am so looking forward to the first blast tonight. One, because it signifies the start of another highly anticipated super season. And two, it means we'll have something meaningful and tangible to talk about in the game other than the relentless all-black uh, all coaching saga, which is quite frankly becoming nauseating. And whilst many believe it's a media-driven bandwagon, I don't. New Zealand rugby's decision-makers, if they have any, are sitting in the front seat of this one. They are at the wheel, 
They just don't seem to have the wherewithal to turn the key on. So play up tonight. Play up and play the game, Richie Moonga and uh, Damien McKenzie. Give us a treat. Please don't kick in the corner early. Please don't let the first five-pointer of the season be from a rolling mall, although I've had a wager that it will be. And double, please. Let's not talk about the officiating or the TMO come Monday morning. And play up today at the sold-out Cello Basin Reserve. The weather gods have dumped on us so much in the, of the country lately. Do us a favour, will you, for the sake of a crucial test match in front of thousands of fans. England are due a flop, a batting collapse of decent proportions. The traditional way says that, doesn't it? But if, you do, if it doesn't come, look out Tim Southey and look out Gary Stead because you are on notice, maybe not from your employers, but certainly from your devotees who, because of Baz and his brand, are lining up for the first three days. I've heard stories of fans travelling to the capital in the hope of n- tickets. The hope of tickets, not because they've got them. Almost outrageous for Test cricket these days. Anywhere, it's Lord's like. So for me, it's a Crusaders-England multi this weekend. For me, a truckload of time on the couch and some serious clinking. Play up, play up, and play the game. Right, uh, whether the weather gods play ball or not, a sold-out Basin Reserve for the first three days awaits the return of Brendan McCullum and the England cricket team for the second test against the Black Caps. It's all scheduled to start at 11 o'clock today, and we shall have updates throughout the show and throughout the afternoon uh, as well with Staffy. Unsurprisingly, England have named an unchanged side for the second test following their 267-run demolition in the pink ball affair at Bay Oval. So can Gary Stead and his men turn things around or will Baz Ball notch up another W in the column? Well, my first guest of the day will be calling the game for our friends at TalkSport, uh, bringing the Kiwi flavour. It's SENZ's also, we claim him as well, Daniel McCarty. Daniel, good morning to you. Smithy, good morning to you, mate. Right, first news, uh, of course, uh, as we do in, a, in the morning of a test match, conditions, my friends, conditions. <laughs> well, above right now, it is uh, predominantly overcast skies, although if I turn around and look beyond the Don Neely scoreboard toward the south, there's uh, this weird thing, almost. Is, is that blue sky? Uh, Wellington hasn't had a lot of it in the last week or so. Uh, Hagen Faith, the, the hedge groundsman here, who you know well, Smithy, I spoke to him maybe three minutes ago. I said, what's the rain going to do? And he goes, oh, I don't know. The, the rain radar seems to be going everywhere. In the radar, there might be uh, a smattering um, before the first ball at 11 o'clock. The covers are ready to go. Uh, but beyond 11 o'clock, it's actually looking good through to about 5 or 6 o'clock. So 24 hours ago, we are expecting one of those fickle mistress type of days, maybe on, on, off. And tomorrow was looking like uh, we'd really struggle to see any cricket. Even tomorrow's starting to look a little bit better. As the sun just breaks through over Mount Victoria, I don't know what to do with myself. I, I knew you could do it. I knew you'd be able to do that for us. It's just fantastic news. I'm optimistic about this now. Right, um, the next thing to talk about is uh, y- y- you've been tweeting, uh, I understand, a, a, a picture of the pitch, which I, I have not had the benefit of seeing yet, but a tad green, they're saying, a tad green. Well, I like to do this every test match, Smithy, because you know the wild overreactions you get to uh, how the Basin Reserve uh, wicket looks. 
Um, I've uh, checked in on the resine colour chart. I'll go with green pea. It's a green pea. Um, so it looks very green. But you know um, very well, Smithy, you've still got a bowl well here at the Basin Reserve. Mm. I think New Zealand uh, was sent in by the West Indies during the last test here at the Basin Reserve. They didn't bowl well. New Zealand got 460-odd um, on a similar-looking surface. Now, chalk and cheese as far as the calibre of the bowling attacks, and you'd expect England to get it right. Um, and I think the test prior to that, New Zealand did get it right against India, rolled them for 160. So we'd, we'd expect it with overhead conditions. If it does stay overcast, um, you know, fairly moderate southerly, it's not going to change too much throughout the day now, is it? So uh, the team who wins the toss will bowl for the 14th test in a row, I think it is, at the Basin Reserve. And if they get it right over the first four hours, it's going to be pretty tough for the New Zealand or English batsmen. Right, okay. Uh, we, we know the England side. Um, I'll, I'll quickly read it out. Um, Crawley and Duckett, uh, Pope, uh, and then you've got uh, Joe Root, um, Harry Brook, Ben Stokes, and then you've got uh, the bowlers, or the keeper, Ben Folks, uh, Anderson, uh, of course, um, uh, Stuart Broad, and uh, Ollie Robinson. So unchanged, uh, fairly predictable, providing everyone was fit there. But what about us? What about us, as the song goes? Yeah, I've been contemplating this long and hard overnight. Tim Salvey um, told us Matt Henry returns to the lineup. That's no surprise. New Zealand essentially had one opening bowler, didn't they, Smithy, for that mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. test? So Matt Henry brings in far better balance alongside Salvey at the top. Uh, Neil Wagner, yeah, I know he went for plenty of runs. He still picked up six wickets. You'd expect him to play. And maybe I can lean on you for some expertise. Having watched England and the way they go, they're not a side you have to bowl 150 overs to. Now, do you? They tend to do all the action in a day, just over a day, scoring over 400 runs, up towards 500 at times in Test match cricket. So my question is, do you need, do you need a fourth seamer? Would, would New Zealand be better off actually playing a batsman, an extra batsman? So um, that will be my smoky. How about Will Young and Henry Nichols to come in together? I know a lot of the, uh, the discourse has been about Young maybe comes in for Nichols. They're not going to drop a guy mid-series who batted twice under lights. That would seem a little bit unfair to me. But I'd be uh, keen to get your expertise. What do you think about lengthening the batting, especially if you know you're probably not going to bowl a, you know, a traditional well, well, amount of overs to a side who, who if they even if they score 450. I like the theory. Uh, I really like the theory. Uh, I think you're right because if you do bowl 150 overs at them, they're going to have 700. So I mean, you know, to be. <laughs> To be perfectly honest, I, I, I like that theory, uh, but I, I, I'd like it if I could guarantee we had a fourth bowling option who could get through 20 relatively cheap overs just in case. And I don't yeah, see yeah. that in Michael Bracewell. I don't see that in Michael Bracewell as a test spinner yet. I don't see it out of Daryl Mitchell um, and those other players in the top six or seven batters that you've just uh, probably um, highlighted there aren't going to bowl either. So that is my problem. Uh, but I do, I do like your batting insurance policy, and I, over the years New Zealand have liked that as well. I just don't see it happening, perfect, uh, to be perfectly honest. The other thing, of course, Daniel, is uh, we're, we're talking about this almost as a defensive um, attitude towards us. We're 1-0 down in the series. We have to take a loop out of their book and go at them. Well, you know, to get the series back, uh, we have to win it, uh, which means we've got to get 20 wickets and uh, we might need that extra bowler to do that. So that's, just, that's my thinking on it. I've been mulling it over just as you have as well. Um, unprecedented interest in this test match. I mean, I've, I've been to a lot of test matches at the Basin on Boxing Day in the past where it's been sold, sold out, but never three days in a row. No, uh, there's huge excitement around Wellington. Uh, people have been scrambling to get tickets for weeks now 
uh, and, and I think people have learned um, better get in quick, especially when the English are here. They're just uh, a different level uh, as far as touring tourists, uh, sorry, touring fans who come in, uh, make the city alive. Uh, I, I spoke to Cam Mitchell from Cricket Wellington. Uh, capacity here at the Basin Reserve is 7,000. He said they could have sold um, well in advance of that, such as the demand. The demand's been coming in strong. So I'm just so happy that uh, Wellington's fickle weather has sort of um, had a good 24 hours and we're going to get some cricket because three days ago it looked like, um, you know, days one and two might be complete washout. So as the sun continues desperately to come through, I can see some fans already loitering outside the ground. And what are we, just uh, after nine o'clock? Uh, with the first ball still one and three-quarter hours away. It's just fantastic. It's going to be a, a really wonderful atmosphere. It really was at the Mount, so Mount Wanganui is just the pitcher. Uh, and uh, hopefully um, the New Zealand fans have a lot to cry about over maybe four or five days. Tactically, from New Zealand's point of view, just say they win the toss and, and bowl. What, what, are you, what are you expecting or what are you thinking? Are, are we going to just be, sit back a wee bit with some of our field placings? Are we going to have the traditional three slips and a gully on the base and reserve fourth morning, fourth morning maybe even a fourth slip, uh, and try to, uh, try to bowl line and length? Are we going to sit back a wee bit and wait for them to come to us? What, what would you recommend or what do you think? Uh, what I would like New Zealand to do is have a little bit more conviction and sticking to their number one plan. Um, we, we know at the Basin Reserve, a lot of uh, wickets caught keeper on the slip cordon, bold LBW as well. That tells me you've got to, you can't forget about the top of off stump, which I, I think New Zealand did far too quickly in the first innings, especially at Mount Maunganui, because we know England are literally going to come at them. And I'm not just talking about playing um, aggressive strokes. You, you're going to see Crawley... Um, the opener sort of try and come down the wicket to negate any swing from the likes of uh, Southey and, and maybe some seam movement for, from Henry. And I, I just think England were crowing after the test match around their camp that we knocked New Zealand off their length. Um, that tells me that they still think that length of top of off stump is where they don't want the, don't want the ball. And um, Smithy, you know better than me, I, I think most batsmen... Um, you know, want you to bowl where they don't want the ball. And, and that tells me um, New Zealand just need to be a little bit more disciplined, especially if they do win the toss and, and bowl first, because uh, in these conditions, he's certainly going to be in it, uh, plenty in it for the first uh, you know, session, if not two, or deep into day one. Well, traditionally, um, we all know that the first hour at the Basin Reserve is a leave more, a, a situation for... Traditional yeah. opening batsman, Daniel. It's a situation where you look to occupy, you look to blunt the attack, and you play as, as few balls as you possibly can, to be honest, uh, which demands accuracy. But um, uh, but uh, England don't play that way anymore. And uh, whilst it's a new form of cricket, it's been, it's been blatantly obvious that if you give them any sort of width, they're going to go at it. And, uh, I mean, that, that provides success or the opportunity for success because mistakes come with that, but... You know, the, what I would be looking at doing um, is just being a little bit more defensive with some of my field placing. I'm not saying I go away with you uh, from your slip cordon, but what I'm saying is, you know, they're not going to push and run. They don't push and run this side um, at cover. Cover can be a little bit deeper. You know, some of the, the mid-ons and mid-offs, they're not pushing and running, uh, these blokes. They're going, uh, going at it. They're, they're thinking four first up, not one. So I, I just think you can just give yourself a bit more space. I, I saw it... Um, I saw it at Bay Oval, um, mid-off was quite a crucial um, fielding position and, and the ball's tantalising just over the top of mid-off on occasions because they go at it. 
Um, I think you just got. But the other, uh, the other thing that concerned me up in at the Bay Oval was the over rate. Now uh, they scored three hundred and twenty-five. Oh, we only bowled fifty-eight point two overs at them. Uh, we were out there for five hours. How does that happen? Oh, it was a, it was appalling, Smithy. At the end of two days, the over rate. New Zealand were the worst offender. England were not much better. And I know New Zealand had to chase a lot of leather. Um, and England, um, you know, there, there were a number of breaks players hit on their helmet. But by my count, by the end of day number two of a cricket test, we'd essentially lost 30 overs. We'd essentially mm. lost a session of entertainment. Now, those inside Bay Oval were entertained because one team in particular plays at such a breakneck pace with bats especially. But I'm sorry, that's just not good enough. Could, could you imagine a super rugby game? You know, Rich Moonga and Damien McKenzie are shaking hands after 60 minutes tonight. No, that's enough. No. 60 no. minutes. Yeah, 60 minutes enough. is enough. We're, yeah, we've had yeah. enough. We've given you enough uh, entertainment, we think, anyway, so um, uh, we're going home, yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I quite, I, I sympathise, I could not believe the numbers, and I, I could not believe, uh, I think it's David Boone um, not doing anything about that publicly. I, I just thought that was uh, wrong. It was wrong over a period. Look, um, the other thing that you're doing but, but is you're spending is a lot a of time... War, this, is a, this is a wart on the game, and it's been, a ra- it's been an issue for, what, yeah. a generation? I'm, I'm almost yep. getting bored of these conversations because... Well, you know, wet bus tickets is all that's been dished out. Yeah. Obviously, the ICC don't see it as a problem. When you and I, fans of the game, you know, we've been involved in this game all our life, and we have huge love yeah. for it. It's just a real wart on the sport. <laughs> it would be. It would be quite an irony if you find England the way they're playing for a slow over. Right? <laughs> I'm just thinking that, be quite, quite, that would be quite comical. Um, just just uh, finally, um, they've set the scene beautifully for us, Daniel, but um, we've got to sympathise with you because you're spending a lot of time with a bunch of Englishmen who are probably feeling quite good about the world of cricket at the moment. Oh, my Lord, are they what? Steve Harmison was basically writing New Zealand's death warrant in the first test after about the third over. Um, basically gave New Zealand no chance. I had to remind Harvey at lunch on day number three, New Zealand, now England's only 250 ahead, six down. We can knock them over in 30 minutes and have an hour and a half before the lights go on. We've got a game on here. But be, let's be frank, they were, they were always front-running England. And when your side has now, what, won 10 of 11 test matches, it's hard mm. not to sort of get caught up, uh, not only in the winning, but the style of winning. You're so right about, le- uh, about the... The, the line, they don't leave. Harry Brooks is a great example. He gets himself in wonderful position, and if the ball's good enough, he can defend right under his eyes. But you bowl three inches outside of off stump, that guy's going to go at you. He's got all types of strokes. So, yeah, my, my dear colleagues um, at TalkSport are loving life. They're already looking a little bit down the road, Smithy. They're already looking to a little series against Australia. And uh, I think this is the last test for England before... Uh, that's serious. So, so let's hope the English players have also got their eye a little bit uh, further down the road than just the Basin Reserve. Daniel McCarty, great to hear your voice, uh, as always, here on SENZ and your enthusiasm towards uh, your home test match at the Basin Reserve. Um, for those people that um, are listening, that'll be on Talk Sport. Talk Sport, um, and uh, that's uh, a wonderful commentary team they've put together there. Uh, have a great uh, test match, mate. Uh, thank you very much for your time this morning and setting the scene. Thanks, Smithy. Appreciate it. Take it easy. Yeah, cheers, uh, Daniel McCarty there here on SENZ in the mornings. It's 9.22.
brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, it's uh, 9.27 here on SENZ. Uh, good chance to uh, catch up with uh, Logan Swinkle, staying on the cricket subject, uh, Logan. And uh, the pre-match presses, of course, uh, are always very interesting. And England naming their team quite openly. Yeah, as they have been, they're quite confident in what they have because it is an unchanged lineup from the uh, Bay Oval Test. Zach Crawley, Ben Folks, Ben Duckett, Ollie Robinson who's probably a bit more fan of the Red Bull and the pink, Ollie Pope, Stuart Broad, Joe Root, Jack Leach, Harry Brook, James Anderson, and of course, Ben Stokes. We don't know yet who is going to be in the Black Caps lineup for today. I know that doesn't come until a bit later on once they look at the pitch. Uh, coverage doesn't start until 10.30, so we'll be all across that smoothie. As soon as we know what's happening with the toss and what's happening with the lineup, we will update the listeners. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. That you know, quite, uh, and that was the Brendan McCullum way actually when he was captain. Like, and he, he quite liked to just uh, say, "I've, I've got no doubt who I want in my team." So I'll announce it a day out, two days out, um, and he tends to do this with England. But uh, we're still guessing and uh, keeping them guessing by the looks. And ten thirty, I would imagine, is the earliest we'll find out. Yeah, I love that confidence. And uh, I was listening to the interview you did yesterday with uh, Ken Rutherford. And I really like that he pointed out that Mark Reason article where he labelled Baz Ball a fad. I agree with um, KR. I don't think it's a fad at all. The only thing that is going to be a fad is us calling it Baz Ball. Soon enough, it's just going to be Test Cricket. I hope so. I mean, I, re- I truly hope so. Um, and, you know, it's been a great example of how to do it. And you cannot, you cannot deny the success rate of it. I mean, you look at any form of sport and, uh, I mean, it's revolutionised it. It's revolutionised the game. Uh, and if it works, people will follow. You know, it's the old thing. If you build it, they will come. Um, and that's what I think we're looking at here. Yeah, uh, 100%. And when you see that three of the five days are already sold out at the Basin Reserve and have been sold out for some time, as Daniel McCarty said. Wellingtonians are scrambling for tickets. There's a buzz around the town as well. It is just great that we're seeing some kind of revival here, considering the amount of T20 cricket that is played around the world at the moment. But you're talking about pre-match presses. Uh, this is what Tim Southey had to say last night. Um, yeah, obviously disappointed with the with the result of the first test, but there's a, there's a number of good things. Um, and I think... Now moving forward into a traditional test match, um, you can't sort of, yeah, I guess dwell on what happened in a, obviously a different different match with, with being a day-night test match. There were a few questions around the top order on um, that first test, Henry Nichols was someone as well, I guess, how was he, um, and how has he been doing the second test? Yeah, Henry's he's good, um, I guess as a, as a batter you always want more runs, and as a bowler you always want more wickets, and... Uh, we don't have to look too far back to, to find runs from those that, that top order. It wasn't long ago, Kane was double hundred and, and Tommy and Dev have been uh, been brilliant as well. Henry to a ground where he's had a lot of success um, over the years as well and, and, and done a great job for us here in New Zealand conditions. So um, yeah, I guess every every batter wants to wants to have more runs and all bowlers want to have more wickets. So um, no, he's good. Great guy to have around the team and, and he offers in a, in a number of different ways as well. G'day Tom. Um, how will you decide to make space for me, Henry? Um, yeah, Matt's been obviously a, a new bowler in the side for the last last wee while and been around the test side for a, for a long time. So 
Um, yeah, I'd imagine he would he'd slip back in, and that's a decision we have to make um, over the once we get a decent look at the wicket and, um, and a decision we'll make uh, once we've once we've seen seen the wicket up close. You guys haven't actually lost a home test series for six years. How can you guys keep that streak alive? By winning this one. Uh. <laughs> and um, and why has that record lasted so long? Why have you guys been so good for the last six years? Um, I think it probably goes back a little bit further than that. We've played some good cricket in our conditions and, and also in other parts of the world for a long period of time. We had a, a group of guys, um, six or seven guys, that were a part of the side for close to 10 years. Um, and that's, that's slightly changing now, um, but that's exciting times as well. It presents opportunities for other guys. But I think we know these conditions reasonably well. Um, and, and like you touched on, to I guess having... having won a few series here and a few a lot of games and at times um, I guess that's where your home advantage comes into it and we've played some pretty good cricket in these conditions. So when you're assessing performances from Pohroka, how much does the fact that it's so abnormal in Test match cricket you bat under lights basically on the back forward, how much does that weigh up when you are assessing performances now? Yeah, it's a little bit unique with having um, a two-match series and one of them being a, a pink ball, a pink ball match, and then now we shift back to the traditional Test cricket. So, yeah, I think you look at the way we um, England strategically played it beautifully, and we had uh, a couple of tough sessions under lights where, yeah, it's like I say, guys would would like to score more runs and got through those sessions, but um, but yeah, there's a number of guys in that room that have uh, performed in and um, Test match cricket in New Zealand and, and especially out here at the Basin Reserve. So um, yeah, we've had a great couple of days, a uh, couple of days training and a couple of days, I guess, off to, to refresh and, and look forward to this match. From what well, you know, the Basin Reserve, obviously, obviously the wicket, but you won't be missing up your take too much to, you know, pace out there. Um, well, obviously, I'd imagine Matt would come back in, um, but yeah, we'll have a closer look at the wicket once the. Once the covers come off and um, and then finalise our side there, so um, yeah, it's uh, it's usually a, a, a pretty good surface. I know it, it, it looks green a lot of the time, but there's been a number of number of hundreds scored here as well, so it's usually a, a pretty good cricket wicket. Well then, uh, I guess you can uh, say that um, the only selection issue uh, going into this test match uh, is it um, is it Blair Tickner or is it Scott Kugeline? That's the only thing you've got to worry about, folks. Blair Tickner or Scott Kugeline, because the rest of it, I think, was basically just announced. It's 9.33 here on SENZ. Talkback time with Smithy. Call now 0800 Yep, 0800 150811 is uh, the number to call and uh, we invite your calls right now and uh, we can uh, talk about predictions. Predictions this weekend for Super Rugby, what are your results? Uh, who are you looking at, the Crusaders or the Chiefs, the Blues or the Highlanders, Moana Pacifica or Drua? Uh, what about the Hurricanes visiting the, the Reds over there in Brisbane? What about the, the New Zealand chances this weekend? What are you expecting out of Super Rugby? What are you hoping to see in terms of style of rugby, style of officiating? Uh, and then, of course, we've got the cricket to talk about, haven't we? Um, what are you expecting out of the first day or so at the Basin Reserve? Daniel McCarty telling us that uh, the weather's improving, the weather's clearing. He saw some blue sky down to the south, which is uh, terrific news. So let's hope it gets uh, underway on time. Sounds as if it will. And uh, we'll uh, get details of the toss, etc. as soon as they come to hand, around about uh, 10.30 this morning. Uh, first up, uh, let's uh, have a chat to uh, Dino from Dunedin, who's been patient this morning. Dean, 
Uh, Super Rugby starting tonight. I would imagine you're quite excited about that. Yeah, mate, totally. Like uh, last year, this time of the year, I put um, 50 bucks on the final being Crusaders Chiefs. I was ripped off by the referee when Romano dodged on the ball in the last game of the round and didn't give him a chance at a shot at goal. But never mind, so I put him on the other side of the draw. But with Damien at 10, I hope he stays at 10, like, to be honest. I just, I think that the Chiefs could actually win it. There you go. Will Jordan not in the Crusaders? Sam Whitelock not there tonight. I think it's a, it's a tough, it's so tough. And then I looked at the Highlanders this morning, and I didn't really, didn't really read too much about it, to be honest. I thought I'd just wait till it starts. So I looked at the team tonight, and I went through it man for man to see where I'm going to put my money at the bloody picks at half. So I took the Blues before I knew what teams were playing. I'm not a fan of Stephen Perifeta at fullback. I know he can play there, but I think Zahn Sullivan is almost world-class. I don't know why they're mucking around with him at 10. But front row, I think the Highlanders get the nod. The locks, there's not a lot in it, really, I don't believe. The loose forwards is very, very interesting. Like, I think Shannon can make a real statement tonight. Their number seven and Dalton, for me, is the best in the country, so... It'll be tough, tough battle, bigger man, that's all the difference there. But I think there's an all-black trial at number eight. I really like the look of this McKaylee too. So Hoskins, for me, he doesn't tick all the boxes. Like, he's a talented player. They all are at this level. So that there is, it'll be the, the, the position I'll watch when I go there on Saturday night. And uh, the, we got at the old... Um, Kilda Hotel, uh, last man standing or something. So you've got to pick one team once for the whole competition. So I thought I had mm-hmm. a rough go at that. I took the Pacifica team, because I think if they're going to win, this is probably the one they're going to win. But I don't know, Fiji are damn good. So the first round is it's perfect for Super Rugby tipping competition, because you're going to have an idea for next week. But the teams are very, very close. Like Depth-wise is the huge thing that the Chiefs have got, the Blues have got. The Crusaders have got. No one else has got that depth. But if that Hollander side can stay on the field, which is bloody near impossible because of the physicality of it and whatever the referee does, they'll go close, I reckon, the Hollanders. Like, I really I don't think they can name a better team. Like, I really like uh, Gilbert at fullback. I think he's a potential... Yeah, him and Zahn Sullivan, for me, would be the next two fullbacks behind um, Will Jordan. Provide me lead Geordie at 12 and get Rico back to 11, and a lot of us will be happy. Get Razor the job next week and be even happier. As I said, I sent a text in this morning to the morning crew and said that a team of champions will be the champion team. I think I think the Crusaders can make the semi final of the World Cup. I don't know if we can win a quarter final of the All Black team at the moment. And I don't say that lightly, I actually believe it. Like, we're all over the place. We've got no combinations, and we're 10 months out from. A tournament that we should be thinking how are we going to win it we can't even pick a team to win it it scares me but I'm really looking forward to this money and wish the cricketers all the best but Bears is just on fire mate he, he, he him and Razor if they got together and coached something my god I'll just leave it at that <laughs> leave it at that Dino hey thanks very much for your analysis there I agree with you I, I think that some of these sides look so so powerful uh, I'm staring. I just uh, had a quick look at the, the blue side. Uh, that is a hell of a side on paper, uh, to be perfectly honest. Uh, all black loose forward trio, all black halfback, all black uh, first 5'8, uh, second 5'8, centre, 
two All Black wingers, and then Stephen Perafeta, who's uh, also an All Black. What fifty seconds in All Black, uh, but he's an All Black, and so it, it's just that is a powerful side. Uh, but the Highlanders, I often find the Highlanders early in the season very, very difficult. But that is a very powerful Blues side. And let's not forget, only they won fifteen in a row and lost the final last year. I mean, that is a hell of a side that Leon McDonald's put together. Uh, thanks, Dean. Enjoyed that call. Uh, Cliff from Dunedin. G'day, mate. How are you going? Yeah, good morning, Smithy. Hopeful sun shining up there on the bay, people. Yeah, um, I was listening to uh, Tim Southey talking this morning, and I'm thinking, oh, it's very negative. The team, if the team doesn't perform and you end up bringing in a bowler, who, who should have played because his wife was having a baby, and then you don't end up dropping a guy who's having out of form in the batting side. It was the batting that really let the team down. It wasn't the bowling. And so not sure up, you know, I'm thinking that Young, you know, what's he got to do to get a, a test now? Because the team can play badly, he can bat badly. You can have a player in the side who's batting poor, got a poor average over the last year. It doesn't get dropped. And he'll probably survive until the next test series when it comes up against, I think, playing Sri Lanka, aren't we? But, um, look, we've just got to bowl good line. We, you know, if you, like they, Tip McCarty said, if you bowl just outside the off stump, around the around the top of the thing, at least if they're going to hit us, they hit us one side. And, uh, you know, put that backward point on the field or on the boundary because... There could be, that's where they'll be doing. They'll be trying to, to swish stuff away outside the off stump, and that could be where we keep the field up, have, have a few slips in the gully, but maybe that defensive man back, he might end up with a catch. Uh, Highlanders, I, I, I think that's a good-looking Highlanders team. I mean, I think they're reasonably strong right through. They've just got to cl- close down the blues, especially the back. If they get some open territory, you know, these fellas can certainly run from deep. So we've got to cut, shut them down. And, uh, but it's good. I think it's going to be a good game. There's good games that first up. And I, I hope Ethan Blackadder has a good game because I see that guy with the All Black captaincy coming up and I want to see him in the All Black squad, possibly playing at six. So, uh, yeah, but go to the Highlanders anyway and the Black Cat. Good on you, Cliffy. Uh, love your enthusiasm. Uh, enjoyed your analysis there of, of the Black Caps. I think you're spot on. Uh, Joe, Joe from Gizzy. Morning to you, Joe. Uh, how are you coping? Pretty tough up here, Smithy. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, getting a few calluses from the end of a shovel and uh, packing food boxes and stuff. But but she's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a shit show in the end, Smithy, let's be honest. And, yeah, just out volunteering for a few weeks, just helping people out, you know, just... Uh, yeah, seeing the damage firsthand is pretty eye-opening. Kind of makes you uh, go home and watch rugby and think, "Gee, some people are pretty blessed." They, yeah, absolutely but, right, um, um, jo- Joe. I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it firsthand here as well. Um, and honestly, <laughs> uh, small bickies uh, with most of the stuff we talk about on here. To be fair, at the moment. Oh, it's great to turn the radio on and listen to the banter and the chat. It kind of lifts all the spirits of the boys when we're working. We're having a laugh ourselves. And arguing amongst ourselves was exactly what you're arguing about, Smithy. You know, and it's uh, but you need those little things. But yeah, it's um, it's years in the rebuild here, as you know in Hawke's Bay as well. I got a brother down there, and he just says, you know, it's like a holocaust in some places, some parts of uh, Hawke's Bay, 
But um, sport coming back will give give everyone a lift, you know, with the rugby coming back and the the NRL coming back, hopefully, and the um, and the cricket. Well, the cricket's just a disaster, so I'll leave that to someone else. But uh, <laughs> looking forward, <laughs> looking forward to the to the Super Rugby to come back. Um, Dino's a bit tough there on that we've got no combinations and no All Black team that's looking half decent for the World Cup. I think we're what you got is Foster. That's another that's another debacle right there, Smithy. Where you know they should put that chat to bed and let let a man be. That'd be like someone you know talking up uh, McCullum to come and take your job on the radio before you've even got the boot. You know, but it's uh, <laughs> it's hard it's hard it's hard for someone like hard for someone like Foster because no one wants to bat his side. You know, but uh, I think leave him alone. Let's see what happens after the World Cup and, and make a decision. You know, I think Robertson has to make his own decision. Make a statement. You want to come out with a press conference a couple of weeks ago, you make your own call. Don't put it on someone else. You know, if you say, I'm staying for the All Black job, then, then that is put to bed. But uh, I think, come on, the Chiefs and the Crusaders tonight, I think that's going to be outstanding rugby. I think you've got 20, probably 22 potential All Blacks who'll go to the World Cup playing tonight. And uh, you just want to see physicality. You want to see accuracy, uh, and, and you want to see those same players carry on the form from last year, like Toyaho and uh, and Cody Walker go, go back at it again. And you want to see, I want to see Brad Weber go to the uh, World Cup. It's his, probably his last go round in New Zealand rugby. Uh, he's from Hawke's Bay. He gave the uh, the warm up game the other the other night. Didn't give it. Didn't give two hoots about that game because he was worried about his whanau. I want to see him. You know, play out of his skin this year and get a proper All Black go this year. I want to see him go to the World Cup. I just want all those people from the coast and Hawks Bay, you know, who've got any relations down here, get a shot. And that's all I'm batting for this year, mate. I don't care about which team because it's uh, like you like you can see, Smithy. People are going to forget about us. It's going to be a new cycle that'll go away, and then people will start moaning about how much the government gives us in uh, recovery money, and then it'll go away. But it. It's years in the rebuild. I mean, they just evacuated one of the towns here in uh, Gisborne last night. It just keeps coming, mate. Joe, I can hear it in your voice, um, and I sympathise greatly with you, and I also salute you for what you're doing in terms of your volunteer support work as well. Um, I think it's um, unbelievable, and uh, you're one of an army of people that are, are, are going out and doing the extra. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Loved your thoughts, loved your call, and uh, I hope you get some enjoyment this weekend and, and amongst the hard work that you're doing. Thanks so much. Cheers, mate. Have a great one. Yeah, same to you, man. 9.47 here on SENZ. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. <laughs> Very busy weekend of racing, Rickerton today, and then Matter Matter and Otaki tomorrow, Louis. Oh, gee, Smithy, it's, uh, the sun's finally out in, in Christchurch as well, but the track will be heavy, I'd say. It'll be wet down there, but tomorrow at Otaki, man, this is just delightful. This is brilliant. We've got La Creek versus Levante versus Wild Knight versus The Field. There's great racing. I'm all about Nom de Plume in race five for Robbie Patterson. And I'm all about Islington Last for Al Sharrick. So I'm Taranaki Hardcore. I've been poached by Kempi in the Taranaki Hardcore contingent. 
for my Otaki selections tomorrow. And at, uh, at Matter Matter, well, we've got Tokyo Tycoon, a Karakamillion winner back at the races. And I don't know if you saw this, Smithy, but Craig Zaki, he's heading back to South Africa. Didn't see that. Didn't see that. Sad news. Yeah. Well, he's been such an asset to the industry. He's been riding winners. So he partners Tokyo Tycoon. Hopefully he can come back to New Zealand with his family after that. But he's partner, partnering Tokyo Tycoon again. Should be awfully hard to beat. And then in okay, the uh, Maramara Free. Sorry, mate. Uh, we've got, uh, as you well know in radio, we've got to get at some ads, mate. Uh, thank you very much. Have a great weekend. Sorry to cut you off. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, uh, in the next hour we have uh, got John Hart coming up straight after the news. Looking forward to talking to John. Of course, he's the chairman of the New Zealand Golf Open, which um, this time next week they'll be into their second round. Incredibly. Uh, it has come round very quickly, and uh, we're very, very excited about that. And we'll uh, have updates throughout that tournament here on SENZ. Uh, text has come in. Uh, Go the Black Caps. Do what Simon Dool did on Boxing Day 1998 against India. Seven for 65. Thanks, Clive. Thanks for that reminder. It is uh, time for the news with uh, Aroha and, as I said, John Hart, and then we'll have a panel and all sorts of other interesting things in the next hour. Are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's 10.03 here on SENZ and a really exciting time for golf because the New Zealand Open gets underway next Thursday. Uh, for the first time since uh, 2020 at the beautiful Millbrook course, uh, a couple of courses involved there. Headlined, of course, this year by Stephen Alker and Daniel Hillier, a couple of our own very accomplished golfers. Plenty of other Kiwis vying for the honour of winning their home championship, along with the defending champion, of course, Australia's Brad Kennedy. Plus there's uh, the Pro-Am ambassadors, including uh, Mr. McCullum, Mr. Dagg, Mr. Wilson, Mr. Fleming, and many, many others as well. It's a stacked roster, and tournament chairman John Hart joins us this morning. Good morning, John. Thanks for your time. Morning, Smithy. How are you? I'm really good. Uh, thanks, uh, John. And uh, uh, this time next week, you'll be well and truly into your second round. I mean, uh, all of us, about a month ago, we were thinking it's quite a long way off. Boy, time flies. Yes, it certainly does, and uh, it's exciting, obviously, to uh, be have the Open back in play because uh, we had those two years of cancellation and uh, a lot of disappointment, so uh, everyone's looking forward to uh, this week, uh, next week immensely. Yeah, John, and uh, during that time of inactivity, you've actually been able to uh, hold on to your sponsors who have been faithful to you, of course, but you've also been uh, able to increase the prize money to uh, a very healthy and generous 1.65 million with 297k going to the winner. Uh, that's pretty good in itself. Yeah, uh, we've sort of had an aim to try and be one of the top three tournaments in Australasia and, and to make sure we're positioned, you know, in the middle of tournament of tours like Japan and um Asia, we're never going to be the biggest, but uh, I think we've got our prize prize money to a really nice level now, and and that's as a result of a fantastic support we've had from our sponsors uh, and our funders uh, and our amateur players, obviously, who pay to play, and so the combination of that um, and attraction of a couple of new sponsors this year, uh, which in this market is um, pretty special, uh, you know, that's the reason behind us able to um, put that little shift in prize money, which uh, it makes it, I think, a very attractive purse uh, to... Um, to everyone playing. 
John, how quickly did the field uh, fill up, uh, particularly the uh, the professional side of it? Were they knocking down your door? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think we had about 240, 250 names, people trying to get in at one stage and across uh, the three tours. So, um, you know, there's 156 uh, lucky guys that'll get in. Uh, and, you know, we've got a really top field out of the Australasian tour and a very good field from Asia and, and a lot of leading Japanese. So it's a... It's pretty exciting, um, and um, you know the amateur field uh, filled out uh, very, very quickly last year, really. And we've had a wait list, and uh, so yeah, we've got full fields both ways, and um, both. You know, I think uh, the professional field's got a lot of depth to it. There's a lot of chances. Uh, I think it's a very even field. Um, so I think there's a lot of people, a lot of a lot of players that um, potentially could win uh, the New Zealand Open next Sunday. Stephen Elker, of course, a very good performance last week on the Champions Tour. Um, quite outstanding. Michael Hendry, a winner just recently as well. And, of course, you've got Daniel Hillier, who's now fully uh, paid up in terms of the DP Tour. So uh, New Zealand names to follow. It's probably as healthy as it's been there. Yeah, I think, um, you know, all of those are, uh, are chances. And uh, then you've got a lot of the others like Josh Geary and uh, Denzel Aramir and... Um, you know, Luke Toomey, uh, Kiwis, um, and then some, and then we got some really exciting young amateurs playing. Um, you know, so I think um, you know it'd be fantastic to see a Kiwi win. Uh, we're very honoured to have Steve Elka playing in the tournament. Um, uh, you know, he's a he's become a legend in his own right. In my view, uh, the good news story of sport in 2022 was uh, his his rise on the Champions Tour, and uh, he's just a wonderful professional. Um, you know, he's been constantly in contact with me. He's um, always looking to see what he can do for us and how he can help and uh, you know so we're very grateful to have him and um, you know he's got to be his game is will be well suited to Millbrook and uh, you know he's a Millbrook man from many years ago so uh, it'd be great for him to have a great tournament. John, uh, you know, of course you had two years of, of uh, the COVID pandemic when uh, unfortunately you you weren't able to, to do anything as such. So uh, how easy has it been to, to, you know, to get the momentum back? Well, um, not easy because, you know, two years out of a tournament means we've, you know, we're, we're, we've really got to um, kickstart again and, and go back and, and start the whole thing again. So, you know, we've had our challenges. Uh, this, the, the weather's been a challenge for us. We, um, you know, we ended up losing... Um, you know, at the moment, losing uh, a lot of our signage, and it was uh, on a boat coming from Sydney or coming from Australia, uh, got turned back in the storm. Um, so we're now looking at getting our um, all our signage, a lot of our T signage, not on the course until Monday. So that's a disruption. Uh, so you know, there's always little things that um, uh, that we've got to work work with um, to fix, but. Um, Generally, we've got a very enthusiastic team. They're, they're desperate to get back down there. And, you know, I'm very lucky to have such a great team of uh, people working with me in the Open. And, uh, you know, we're all geared up to hopefully deliver a great performance, great a, a great tournament again. Well, it's going to show Brooke, uh, showcase uh, Millbrook again, uh, John. But this time, Millbrook with a difference, some new holes and two courses to consider. Yeah, and that's exciting. I mean, that's a you know something new for the event. Uh, the new nine at Millbrook is exciting um, up in the up at the top of the top of the hill. So that's fantastic. Some great viewing and um, some really good, really good holes. So I think the players um, it will be a challenge for them. It's um, it's exciting that we've got the whole tournament on the one site. 
Uh, you know, that's great for the players who are living on the, you know, are accommodated on the site. It's uh, logistically helpful. And luckily, we've still got the Hills involved, which is good because the Hills has, becomes our Saturday tournament when after the cut on the Friday. Um, as you know, we have a, a, a sort of a, a one-day event for the pros and amateurs that miss the cut, and that's a fantastic day. And uh, now we're playing that at the Hills this year, so the Hills are still involved as they have been intimately, uh, you know, for the 10 years since we... Um, started the tournament in 2012. A couple of uh, great concepts here. The, tell us a wee bit about uh, the hole-in-one prize. That's outstanding. Yeah, that's a, that's uh, that, that's new and it's different. Um, Millbrook, uh, on the weekend of this tournament uh, next week, Millbrook actually celebrate their uh, 30th year of, um, the, the Ishii family celebrate their 30th year of ownership of, um, of Millbrook. And uh, they decided they wanted to do something special as a prize for the 18th hole. The 18th hole is our, you know, the, the par three is our finishing hole. Um, and so they put up a prize of um, uh, a week's uh, holiday um, for 30 years uh, for anyone that um, uh, that managed to get the hole in one. And if two people get one, well, we'll, we'll have 15 years. And so I think it's a really unique and different prize, and it helps us also showcase. Um, Millbrook and their fantastic contribution uh, to the New Zealand Open. Um, the the, um, the Millbrook have been, as our underwriters, have been just fantastic. Um, you know, imagine the last two years they've had to carry very heavy losses um, and they have stood solid behind us and uh, we're very lucky to have them as our, our underwriters and they're playing their part by putting up this prize. I mean, I think it's very unique and it's very different. Mm. That's a hell of a prize, I can tell you that. 30 years, it's an astonishing prize. Um, John, the, the amateur side of it, which is, you know, obviously the million dollars, uh, plus $1.65 million, plus there's a $50,000 um, fund towards the, the amateur side of things as well, thrown in there. I, I just wonder, how, how do you go about, is it easy to attract the, the amateur side of it? Is it do you, you get people again knocking down your doors for that? Yeah, well, the amateurs, um, you know, the amateurs pay fifteen thousand dollars to play, um, and um, and that gives them, you know, all of the all of the functions and events and all those things in the in the, in the game. So, it's a really important element of our fund funding. And uh, look, we we are we've been run over uh, with um, our people wanting to play in the event, and uh, you know, we had a wait list at one stage of forty or fifty. So. Uh, and the great thing about our weight, our amateur amateur group now, uh, Smithy, is that it's 50% international, 50% New Zealand. So we're getting a lot of international visitors, a lot of you know a lot of senior businessmen coming around, coming and playing. And the benefit of that is immense because it you know gets them interested in New Zealand. Some of them have invested in New Zealand. Some of them buying property in New Zealand. Um, and so you know it opens doors and showcases the country. So the amateur field is. Integral, I mean, the success of this tournament no doubt has been the Pro-Am format, which people questioned initially. I mean, obviously, we're the only uh, national tournament, national open that's played in a um, Pro-Am format, but it's become part of the success of the event, and the pros now um, really have wrapped their arms around it. They enjoy it, and, um, you know, really, uh, the amateur component of the uh, New Zealand Open, I think, is integral to its success and to its continuity. John, uh, I remember when we did uh, sporadically did uh, some cricket coverage down there uh, in Queenstown. We got rave 
feedback on uh, the spectacle of Queenstown and the surrounding mountains, etc., by itself. So you've got quite extensive television coverage of this. Yeah, I mean, Sky, uh, Sky Sport are our um, presenting sponsor. They are fantastic supporters of the New Zealand Open, and um, they will be televising live uh, through New Zealand and to Australia, and uh, we're across the Asian media network, so we're widespread in Asia. Um, so it's got an international, significant international audience, and, of course, four days live in New Zealand. Um, so it's a fantastic way to promote the country, and that's why... One of the reasons government have been investors in the event because they see the return they get in terms of the exposure they get through television, tourism, but also, as I said earlier, the exposure they're getting through senior businessmen from around the world uh, coming to uh, Queenstown and um, you know showing Queenstown uh, to the world is is pretty impressive because, in my view, it's you know New Zealand's tourism mecca and um, it's got so much to offer. You getting a chance to play yourself, John? Yeah, I'm down to play. Um, I normally only make the uh, first two days, Smithy. I don't, I don't. Yeah, once I got through, I think I don't know how. Um, but um, yeah, I just uh, I enjoy it, and um, you know, I'm, I'm playing this year with Denzel Ramirez, um, so I'm looking forward to playing with Denzel. Um, and yeah, the tournament for me is. Um, you know, it's a it's a busy week because uh, a lot of people to meet, a lot of people to thank, and a lot of functions to attend. But um, I look forward to it. I'm you know really proud of what we've been able to establish with this tournament, and I just want it to continue to grow and hopefully be a tournament that lasts uh, in Queenstown for a long, long time. Well, that's very exciting, John. Uh, just just before we let you go, we, we couldn't uh, perhaps uh, have an opportunity to just talk a, a couple of uh, rugby issues. Uh, Super Rugby, of course, starts tonight. Um, how are your Blues looking this year, do you think? Look, I think they uh, they look good. Um, I think there's um, you know obviously issues this year in terms of the All Black load and, and having 12, 13 All Blacks uh, is not an advantage in a World Cup year for Super Rugby. Um, but no, they prepared well. Um, we've got a few injuries, but all teams have got that. And, uh, you know, they've got a big game uh, tomorrow in, um, in Dunedin. And um, we're looking forward to, um, you know, a, a good performance. But, you know, the Highlanders at home is probably the hardest draw you could get first up, because particularly when they don't have a lot of All Blacks in their squad, so they would have been training together for a long while. Whereas our All Blacks have only come back very late, and so it's been a bit disjointed. But, you know... It's a, it's a great setup this weekend, I think, with the Chiefs playing the, the, the Crusaders tonight. Um, you know, I, I was very impressed with the Chiefs last week uh, when I saw them play the Blues. I thought they were, they may be the team to beat this year. They look a very, very good all-round team. But um, And then the Hamadas tomorrow is a big game. And then, of course, you've got the local clash here, Moana and uh, Fiji Drua. Um, so it's a big weekend for Super Rugby. Um, and, um, you know, I hope it gets off to a great start. I think we need we need some rugby, John, because um, the dramas or the supposed dramas going behind the scenes. Do you shake your head at this uh, All Black coaching issue that's reared its head yet and yet again, or do you understand the process a, w- a wee bit more than most of us? Um, I've got to say I'm disappointed uh, with the publicity that it's had, and I hope it gets resolved quickly. Okay, we'll leave it at that, John. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Um, and also, uh, can I wish you all the very best for what's coming up. Uh, three years basically in the waiting, and I hope uh, you get great weather and uh, those fans that are not even having to pay to get in get some great entertainment. Cheers, man. Thank you for your time and all the very best. Thanks for your support, Smithy. Bye.
Yeah, cheers. Uh, John Hart there, of course. Uh, these days he is the chairman and has been for a while of the New Zealand Golf Open and uh, an extremely, uh, hugely exciting uh, venture they've got coming up over two courses uh, this time around, the Coronet course and the Remarkables course, so some new holes for some of these visiting pros to play. Uh, and, of course, uh, the Carrot, uh, $297,000 uh, to the winner and if you're holding one on the 18th uh, amateur or professional 30 years of a week's free accommodation 30 years of a week's treat at Millbrook it is just becoming every year more and more enticing and more and more exciting we wish them all the very best it's 10.17 here on SENZ SENZ Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Uh, Guy Havelt uh, with us this morning, as is Aidan McLaughlin, uh, Aidan uh, out of uh, Havelock North. Uh, Aidan, uh, good uh, good morning to you. Uh, how did you fare during the cyclone? Oh, morning, Smithy. Morning, Guy. Um, we were we were pretty lucky, actually. We had a bit of damage in the back garden. A small tree came down, but uh, by and large, we were we we were pretty good. Um, unfortunately, the family a couple of days later then got COVID, so uh, we've been. A little bit restricted in what we could do to help people since last weekend, but um, but yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of people far far worse off than us, that's for sure. Yeah, I don't think we've heard the worst of it by a long stretch just yet either, Aiden. Um, so let's move on to some um, some more positive things uh, if we can, including uh, the Black Caps uh, against uh, England today. Um, it sounds like a green pitch down there. So what are you expecting? <laughs> yeah, surprise, surprise. Uh, and hopefully the weather is a little bit better than was predicted as well. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I think we all know what's going to happen if whoever wins the toss, don't we, Smithy? You know, it's uh, one of those ones you're going to want to have a bowl on. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, we know England's intentions. That's not going to change. Um, it also sounds like there's going to be very minimal changes to the Black Caps lineup. Um, Matt Henry coming back in will be one, but seems there won't be anything else. Uh so yeah, I think the conditions will definitely play a part. It'll be very different to the day-night test we experienced last week. There won't be that advantage of bowling under uh, under floodlights uh, with the pink ball. But um, certainly, yeah, there's an advantage to be had for whoever wins the toss today, I'd suggest. Guy Havelt is uh, with us this morning. Good, good morning to you, sir. Um, I, I just wonder, Guy, um, in terms of the media... Uh, is it easier to deal with England or the Black Caps, or are they both pretty forthcoming? Interesting question. Uh, morning, Smithy. Morning, Aidan. Um, they're both pretty good. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I love dealing with the cricketers, is because uh, more often than not, they're they're very easy to deal with. You you kind of get what you want. They're not um, they're not trying to block you from filming certain things. I mean, when you go to a lot of rugby sessions, from a TV point of view, when you go to a lot of rugby sessions, you can't film. X, Y, and Z, you can only film the first 15 minutes of, of training, and it's so boring them tying up their shoes and that sort of thing. So uh, that's one reason why I very much prefer the cricket, because you get to see a bit more. Um, but, yeah, no, both teams pretty easy to deal with. Um, uh, and, yeah, it's been a, from that point of view, it's been a, a good tour so far. So what are you expecting? Um, what are you, you expecting yourself from this? You, you see a change in attitude, if, if anything else, from New Zealand, or are they going to sit back and hope here? Well, there has to be a change of attitude. If there's not a change of attitude, they're going to get exactly the same result. Um, 
they were, I mean, we've spoken about it many a time, haven't we, Smithy? Um, this day was coming uh, in terms of New Zealand cricket and the Black Caps and a struggle ahead, I think, for, for probably a few years in, in the white ball, uh, in the red ball format anyway. Um, look, I, I can't see much changing, I've got to be honest, uh, particularly if they lose the toss and they're put in on, on what is a pretty green track. We all know at the base and it will move around for a bit initially um, and after a few days, if they get some sun on it, it will brown out and it will become a, a pretty decent batting surface. But... Initially, um, I just still don't know if this Black Caps batting side is, is up to facing uh, that very strong, um, very well-proven England bowling attack that they've got. Uh, I worry still a lot about um, a lot of the batting lineup. Obviously, there are players there who are solid enough, but um, if you lose two or three of them, then um, I just don't know the other guys. Um, you know, the likes of, of, of uh, Nichols in the middle order there, um, and you know, even even I know Daryl Mitchell better well in that in that second innings uh, the other day, but there wasn't much really riding on it. We need more from those guys uh, if this Black Caps team is going to be a chance in this test, um, and we need more from even from the bowlers as well. I know they that wasn't their fault the Black Caps lost that test, but um, yeah, they need more across the park. So in terms of what I'm expecting, uh, probably more of the same. To be honest, I think it'll be a two-nil series defeat. Hey, Card, I, I I really don't think that they can go. Um, at more than six and over, um, I just don't think that works because England only have to bat 50 overs to get 300. That'll be enough. Um, so uh, let's uh, look at uh, Aidan. Uh, Gary Stead, uh, looking from the outside, Gary Stead and Tim Southey under any pressure at all here? Well, I don't think Tim Southey is in as much pressure, uh, under as much pressure as Gary Stead. Gary Stead's been there a long time now and um, I guess every coach, every captain has their shelf life. Uh, Gary Stead's been there a number of years. He's gone through a couple of World, World Cup cycles now. So, um, and now with with results declining pretty rapidly, you'd have to say he's under a lot more pressure than a, a new captain in Tim Sally. But equally, you know, Tim's come in, and um, it's going to take him a bit of time to to do things uh, exactly his way. But he, the last thing he wants is to kick off with a, a series defeat at home. His first series defeat in, I think, six, seven years. So, um, so yeah, he'll be feeling pressure as well. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. We, we talk a lot about uh, the All Blacks coach, and we'll probably talk about that in a minute. But uh, before you know it, it's going to be the end of a, a World Cup cycle for New Zealand cricket as well. And I think there'll probably be a decision made after then about potentially keeping Gary Stead on in, in one role, but maybe uh, a different white ball coach. But, um, but yeah, he, he's got to be feeling the pressure because the results simply aren't happening and the performance are, decl- are declining rapidly as well. Guy, I asked uh, John Hart, we had him on, principally about the New Zealand Golf Open, of course, which starts next week, but I asked him right at the very end, I said, um, <clears throat> how, how do you think that uh, the, uh, the Ian Foster saga... Um, has been handled. He had a one-sentence answer. He said, I think it's been handled very poorly by the media and I hope it's resolved soon. What do you make of that? Very interesting comment. I I don't quite know um, what the media's done wrong in all of this. Um, uh, We've got people talking left, right and centre. I I think who who, who it's been handled poorly by is New Zealand rugby. Um, they are the only ones at the moment who are sitting back and doing absolutely nothing. Well, in, in terms of the public eye anyway, um, behind the scenes they might be. But they, they, there's, there are rumours all over the place. Um, there are people talking. You know, Ian Foster, it's got to the point so much that he felt he had to come out and say what he said. 
um, if that's the media's fault that that it's getting to this point, um, then I, I yeah I cannot agree with that. And obviously, I would probably say that because I am in the media. But how can it not be? it not be New Zealand rugby's fault at where this is all at. We've got a, a head coach of the All Blacks who doesn't know what the hell he's going to be doing um, in a few months' time. He doesn't know if he'll be the coach or not. He's probably starting to question whether he'll still be the coach at the World Cup. Um, you know, And then we've got a guy who is supposedly the front-runner to be the next All Blacks coach who has come out as, and said what he said. Um, and meanwhile, we've still got New Zealand rugby who we're told... Uh, had a board meeting, or they, they definitely did have a, have a board meeting in the last day or two. They're still yet to come out and say anything about what even happened there. They're yet to comment on this situation. And in the meantime, we've got everyone talking um, whether these, you know, whether what people are saying is, is true or, you know, you hear everything is what I'm trying to say. There are so many rumours because New Zealand rugby is just not doing anything to put any of this to bed. They need to hurry up, make a decision, at least make some comment um, and, and put some solidity in place around what is happening with this situation. Otherwise, it's just going to get messier and messier and messier throughout Super Rugby all the way into when the All Blacks play their first test, and that cannot afford to happen in a World Cup. I, this is the first time I have felt sorry for Ian Foster throughout this whole thing. Imagine sitting there... Oh, for anyone listening to this right now, imagine sitting there and you are going to your job not wondering, or sorry, wondering if your employer is going to back you or keep you on for the next few months. That is not a nice place for anyone to be in. And if they are not coming out and giving you any solidity either way, that's an even worse place to be in. So I just think it's been handled atrociously by New Zealand rugby so far. Okay. Uh, I think the the thing you do agree with John Hart on is that you hope it's resolved soon. Um, right, it's uh, 10.32. Uh, we'll take a short break uh, for some news from uh, Aroha, then we'll come back uh, with part two of the panel. Talk, big opinions, the panel. Aidan McLaughlin with us this morning. Uh, Guy Havelt uh, is with us as well. News out of the Basin Reserves that Tim Saudi has won the toss. And yes, you're right, Aidan McLaughlin, New Zealand will be uh, bowling first. Uh, but just heading back to uh, the media side of the process with um, Ian Foster and uh, New Zealand Rugby, what's your take on that? Uh, pretty similar to, to Guy, really. I mean, I yeah, I for the first time I've started to feel a little bit sorry for Ian Foster over the last week or so. I mean, as for how the media have handled it, well, with respect, I mean, Ian Foster seems to be the one who has come to Gregor Paul, who has come to Andrew Sabble, who has, has uh, asked to speak to them. So he has wanted to get his side of things across. So, um, you know, in terms of it being in the media this week, well, that, that's really down to Ian Foster, it would seem. But, but equally, you know, given the position he is in, he has felt backed into a corner by New Zealand rugby and everything else that's going, going on around him, that he's had to do that. So that, that's fair enough. Um, hey, the media are there to, to report on things, to ask questions, to report what people are saying. So if Razor Robertson wants to come out and make some comments a few weeks ago um, down in Christchurch, well, of course, that's going to be reported. Uh, you know, he didn't have to say anything there. He chose to. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I think it's a little bit uh, harsh to blame things on the media and the way they're handling things. Um, although, I guess, like I said, I probably would say that, wouldn't I? Super Rugby tonight, uh, I felt uh, your team hosts the Chiefs uh, with Damien McKenzie at 10. Nice little battle with Richie looming here. 
Yeah, very interesting little battle, this one. Um, I think this is where Damien McKenzie belongs, and, and it sounds like, you know, Richie's obviously going to go overseas at the end of the year. Um, Bowden Barrett probably will as well, or is going overseas for at least a little while or a year or so. So then you kind of wonder, well, who is going to be first five for the All Blacks? I would like to see Damien McKenzie given a consistent run at first five throughout the season for the Chiefs. Um, this is his big test, and it comes straight away against Richie Moonga. If he can um, match up to, to Moonga and, and still be up to the standard that I suppose he was before he left to go and play overseas, have his little stint overseas, then I think that's promising enough that he could be the guy for the All Blacks going forward. Um, yeah, an intriguing way to start the season and, and an intriguing way overall in terms of the Crusaders against the Chiefs. It'll be a, it'll be a, a, real, um, a real gauge, I suppose, on, on where these two teams are at straight away. A great way to start the season. And a great way to start the season. And indeed, uh, for you, uh, Aidan McLaughlin, um, well, I guess we're in the Hurricanes uh, area ourselves. We're across to, to face the Reds this weekend. Um, but I'm quite happy that uh, rugby's actually getting started on the field again. I think it needs it. Yeah, it always feels a little bit strange when there's still some test match cricket going on and Super Rugby starting, but I think we've got used to that over the years. And um, But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it should be an exciting year, right? It's a World Cup year, but there's plenty of rugby to be played before the, before that. Um, so yeah, it's good to, to, to get the Super Rugby teams out there. And Super Rugby or Picky as well, you know, starting up. And although it's only a one-match increase on, on last season, um, it's going to be good to see, see the women out there playing as well. Um, hopefully in, in years to come that can expand. Um, but yeah, I think Crusaders, Chiefs, it is going to be a really interesting matchup. And I think, you know, we all expect to be to see certain teams at the top of the standings uh, as, the, as the season progresses. But I think, I think potentially the Chiefs are one of those teams that if they get on a good run of form, if they, uh, you know, keep a, a clean, reasonably clean bill of health and no suspensions, I think they're one of the teams that can really challenge the Crusaders and the Blues on a consistent basis. Aidan McLaughlin and uh, Guy Havelter with us this morning. Going to go straight across to uh, Logan Swinkles, uh, gentlemen, uh, because he has the New Zealand lineup. Uh, yes, Tom Latham, Devin Conway, Kane Williamson, Will Young, Henry Nichols, Daryl Mitchell, Tom Blunder with the gloves, Michael Bracewell, Tim Salvi, Matt Henry, and Neil Wagner. So Blair Tickner and Scott Kugeline are out. Wow. Okay. So Will Young and Henry Nichols. That uh, to me, Guy Havelt says uh, they're very worried about their batting. Yeah, that certainly does. I, I was I was anticipating one of those who would play, but but probably not both of them. Uh, interesting. Look, I, I think um, I think a pretty solid overall team. And, and what uh, it, it, did I? Are there only four bowlers there? Have I missed that, or is that right? No, um, four bowlers. Which I, four bowlers. Yeah, which I don't actually think is probably too bad at the basin. Um, I don't think this is going to last five days. Uh, and so I think they probably gambled on that or, or maybe gambled on the fact as well that uh, they won't get five days in even if it does go five days in the sense that there might be a bit of rain around so they can miss those bowlers if they need to. Um, yeah, I actually think that's a, that's a pretty pretty strong way of going about things on, on what is going to be initially anyway a, a tough, tough deck to bet on. Well, Aidan McLaughlin, that says to me only three proven bowlers, uh, Wagner, Henry, yeah. Salvi. Yeah. Um, you can't tell me that Michael Brace was a proven test spinner yet. Oh, d definitely not. Uh, 100% not. Um, yeah, I find it intriguing. I think we all kind of came to the realisation over the last few days that Henry Nichols would be given another chance, and um, so, so be it. But 
but to bolster the, the, the stocks with Will Young, yeah, that's a, a really interesting twist to proceedings, which probably not too many of us saw coming. But, yeah, I mean, again, Bracewell is uh, is in the in that sort of mid to lower order um, as a strong batting option, potentially. But, um, yeah, he's, he's not a, a proven uh, test bowler yet. He's certainly improving. We all can see that. We can see that through um, not only his white ball cricket for New Zealand, but also his test cricket appearances so far but um but yeah just like Mitch Santner was a few years ago when he was in the team regularly um he's not that proven match winner with the ball that uh, that, that you look for with the spinner perhaps uh, Guy just uh, finally um the football fans uh, again last night unable to score a goal going down 1-0 this time to Argentina which means they still haven't won on home soil for uh, around 12 years 12 years and their next home soil match is the first Match of the World Cup. I'm, 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 I've got to say, I'm hoping for credibility, uh, and that's all in this World Cup. I hope we get it. Smithy, I didn't watch it. Um, I, I genuinely didn't really care about the result. Uh, they are a hard team to watch, uh, and I, I mean that with all due respect. They are a very hard team to watch. They don't score goals. They don't play a very um, exciting brand of football to watch. Um, yeah, they're not for me. Uh, this World Cup will be fantastic, and I look forward to watching you know, the likes of the USA and England and that sort of thing, and, and the big teams in women's football. But when it comes to the football fans, they are so far off the pace. Um, it's going to be great to have the World Cup here. Do not get me wrong, uh, but uh, I cannot see the football fans getting. Uh, there were some people who were saying that the football fans might get out of their group. Well, I think we might just have to hope that they might score a goal in one of these games uh, as a realistic um, hope for this team at this World Cup. Yeah, I think um, I'm very, very concerned. Uh, Aiden, what about you? Do you think uh, <clears throat> do you think the event will uh, overshadow the fact that uh, one of the co-hosts is probably not worthy of being there? Well, I think it will eventually, but equally, you you kind of need. I think the tournament needs for the host uh, teams to to put up some sort of show, even if they don't get out of the group. You know they. It's always important, whatever World Cup, whatever sport you're talking about, there's always that added interest for the host nations. Um, uh, at least this time, there's, there's two, I guess. So not all the hopes are riding on the football ferns, but uh, it's pretty pretty desperate times. No win in eight, seven defeats in, in that time. And I think, you know, if you're going to be a team that struggles to score and have that spark going forward, then you've got to be hard to beat. You've got to be hard to break down. And unfortunately, at the moment... Not only can they not score goals, but they're conceding lots as well. You know, 5-0 defeats, for example, against teams that are reasonably similar in the, in the world rankings to them. The likes of Portugal, I think we're only two places above them. That'll change quite rapidly, I'm sure. But um, I think they can get two more games in the FIFA window in April. Uh, and I'm sure that a lot of uh, teams will want to travel to this part of the world, given that the World Cup's going to be here a couple of months later. So... So that's something they can hopefully get a, a couple more fixtures uh, tied in, and hopefully by then um, we can start to see some improvements. Because if we don't, it could be a very, very short tournament for the host nation. I totally agree, and they're going to get great crowd support. So uh, let's hope they're aware of that. Ten forty-three here on SENZ. My thanks to uh, Guy Havelt and Aidan McLaughlin uh, this morning for being our panelists, and uh, gentlemen, have a terrific weekend. And we have uh, a real, a real um, smorgasbord of sport to, to catch up with this weekend and uh, review on Monday. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. 10.43.
are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Successful yesterday. Japan beat Iran at basketball. Juventus beat Nantes uh, this morning in uh, football. And uh, Coco Golf yesterday beat Madison Keys. So we got a $4 multi up yesterday. It was fantastic. Today we are going for the jugular over the weekend. Crusaders against the Chiefs. I've gone for any forward, jersey 1 to 8, any forward, jersey 1 to 8, to be the first try scorer at $2.75. Backing on a line out drive. Moana Pacifica at home. I think they'll beat the Drua. They're uh, outsiders at $2.15, but I'll take that. And then the Mariners. Central Coast Mariners are favoured to beat the Phoenix, but I believe that match will end in a draw at $3.75. So we've got $2.75 for the forward scoring the try. We've got Moana Pacifica to win at $2.15, and the draw at $3.75. That multi's up to an incredible $22.00. $22.17. Cop that. I'd love to. I absolutely love to because I'm going to take 10 bucks of it myself. Uh, right, okay, let's uh, update. Manchester United fans, you'll be pleased to know you've had a very good second half against Barcelona in the Europa League. So they're in the third minute of extra time. And uh, Manchester United lead Barcelona 2 1. Roma leads Salzburg 2 0. Uh, Ren lead uh, Shanka Donetsk 1-0 and Union Berlin lead Ajax of Amsterdam 3-1 so uh, they are the current scores Manchester United 2 uh, that's uh, 2-1 over Barcelona which means they will advance if that scoreline stays the way that it is ah, so interesting yes New Zealand winning the toss slogan um, and Tim Southey taking about 0.001 seconds to say we'll bowl first um, absolutely no doubt about that <laughs> yep and uh, straight after that you know in the pitch report you've got Mark Richardson out there he interviews Tim Southey and then he interviews uh, Ben Stokes and Stokes said he would have done the exact same thing looking at that wicket so it's going to be very interesting to see how this first day goes I mean with the forecast depicting there'll be some showers so it'll be a disruptive place so I hope uh, Daniel McCarty has some uh, rain delay content up his sleeve because he might need it at some point. But yeah, it's going to be a great afternoon for you and I to sit on the couch at opposite ends of the island and uh, watch it. So we can actually, by downloading the TalkSport app, yeah, we can listen. Is that how it goes? Yes, you can. I believe you can. That is all I will say. <laughs> right, okay. Um, and if you did... You might uh, hear commentators uh, of the calibre of Neil Manthorpe, very accomplished South African broadcaster, Michael Atherton and Steve Harmison. Uh, you might uh, and will hear our very own Daniel Snake McCarty, they're calling him, Daniel Snake McCarty. Uh, you'll hear uh, Frankie Mackay in there as well. Uh, cheers, Carlos, for that uh, information. Snake McCarty? It's, uh, Snake? it's a tomb of endearment, trust me. It's, uh, I mean, it's his Twitter handle as well, so he embraces... The Snake McCarty. There's all sorts of connotations go through my mind when you hear a bloke called Snake. Uh, and so that's why I'm going for a break now. It's 10.52. 
Time to catch up with Pip Morris from the TAB and after a couple of relatively quiet weeks in terms of availability and sports betting in particular, Pip, this is a ginormous weekend coming up uh, for you people at the TAB and there's some greyhounds on as well. Oh, absolutely. So there is so much, I think, for everybody sports-wise. So do check out tab.co.nz. I can tell you, outside of the Crusaders match, where uh, they're by far the best back, the Hurricanes were 77, uh, 76% of the betting in their match head-to-head at $1.47. A stacked Blues side's also taking 62% of the head-to-head betting at $1.35. The Blues, 1-12, to 12, are the fave-winning margin at $3.00. Also racing on Saturday, we've got the Wait for Age at Otaki and Lightning Jack at Longer Odds has been really well backed at 21. Wild Knight not far behind at fours. And then at Matamata, race number four, Tokyo Tycoon's the best backed at 170. Zuron at $3.30 and the Breeders and Ballon Rouge at 4.8. For the Greyhounds today, I really like the Hummer Mama in race number two into Jerome Bale and race number three into a Powalinda. They're all short. Uh, but I think they'll be winning. And then in the last, uh, Gold Star Nolan, too, looks a really nice top two quote. So plenty of things to get involved with over the weekend, and I'm really looking forward to it. Congratulations, too, on getting uh, your multi up yesterday, Pip. And anyone that follows Pip Morris and uh, her tips on the Greyhounds, I think we'll be doing uh, very, very nicely indeed. Pip, uh, thanks so much for your input. As always, have a great weekend. You too, Smitty. Cheers, uh, you uh, Pitt Morris there. And um, look, I can give you an update on the golf as we head into 11 o'clock. Uh, it's the Honda Classic, first round of the Honda Classic. Uh, Joe Bramlett and Billy Horshaw in the clubhouse at uh, five under. Uh, Pearson Cootie at four under. Um, and a whole host of other players there. Two Cootie twin brothers playing in this. Uh, Pearson and Parker. They are the grandsons of the great Charles Cootie. It is uh, 10.59, coming up 11 o'clock after the break. It's basketball, Logan Swinkles, one-on-one with Ruben Talangi. service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, it's 11.03 here on SENZ. Uh, Our last uh, hour of the week begins with basketball and with all the momentum that the breakers have been building in the ANBL playoffs, you might be wondering why aren't they playing the grand finals this weekend? Well, the league is taking a break for the international basketball window as FIBA, that's F-I-B-A, the World Cup qualifiers continue. Uh, the Tall Blacks have uh, already qualified, uh, but they'll be playing in Christchurch tonight for the first time since 2018, hosting Saudi Arabia, followed by Lebanon on Monday night as they look to boost their ranking ahead of the World Cup draw in April. Uh, so a little earlier this week, uh, Logan Swinkles, our uh, intrepid producer, caught up uh, with someone who I think is fair to say is one of his favourite basketballers, Tall Black Scarred, Ruben Tarangi. This is Logan Swinkles from Mornings with Ian Smith on SNZ. And joining me now from the Tall Blacks camp is Ruben Tarangi. You've just come off the court training with the Tall Blacks. How's the body feeling heading in uh, to this weekend's FIBA window, mate? 
Yeah, the body's good. I got um, I think I got nine days off to rest up and um, work on some of the things that I need to. But yeah, now the body's feeling good. Nice. Uh, first up, you got Saudi Arabia. Uh, New Zealand last played them back in August, winning eighty sixty five. With that score being spread out across the lineup, are you expecting a tougher challenge from them this time around in Christchurch? Yeah, I, th- I like they're, they're a good team. Um, they have some good players on that team, and um, they're definitely going to challenge us and um, try try run as fast as they can and um, get us up and down the court. But no, nah, I'm definitely expecting a challenge, and we're going to come out there and um, push back as well. Nice. And following from that, you've got Lebanon, which the Tall Blacks lost that last meeting, sixty five seventy seven in November. You went available. Uh, for that one, how will you look to take the challenge to them in uh, Wellington? We, yeah, I guess we're focusing on Saudi Arabia right now, but um, like Lebanon always come out and they have a good team and um, they know how to play basketball very well. So um, we're going to be up for that challenge this time around and um, try to get two wins this window. With uh, with New Zealand already qualified for the FIBA World Cup, what do the what do these two games mean to you? What do they mean for the team? I think it's momentum. Um, like this, this camp means um, we can come together and get get some of our systems down. Um, two wins would be good, but um, just getting the team together and getting some momentum and um, some of the systems we run and um, leading into the World Cup this year. With um, with who's available to the Tall Blacks changes all the time, depending on what's going on in the world of basketball. You've got none of the breakers available for this one. Uh, but Perry Cameron has been championing the depth of the squad. Just how good is it? It's actually unreal. It's unreal this year. It's going to be like this World Cup camp um, coming up in uh, well, end of July will be um, unreal to see some of the players that are coming back from Europe and um, Japan, some of the Breakers boys. It's going to be pretty crazy and it's going to be um, a dogfight to get into that team, which um, will be amazing for basketball and basketball New Zealand at the World Cup. Yeah, and with that, at least, I mean, we know that the boys will come strong come World Cup time. Those last games that I mentioned before against Saudi Arabia and Lebanon, they were both in their neck of the woods. What difference does it make uh, for you to have a vocal home crowd behind you on court? Yeah, it's amazing. It's um, it's the sixth man um, on the court when we're at home. They they bring a lot of energy and um, we get the momentum back easily because um, we have the home court advantage. But no, it's, it's, it's also awesome for the sport of basketball in New Zealand to have these home games and um, for the Tall Blacks and basketball in New Zealand to have a, um, a sporting event that is in New Zealand um, because I know back in the days we didn't play many games at home. They were all away games and um, it's always good to have games back here at home. And I mean, basketball is just on the rise in New Zealand. It's so awesome to watch uh, from the sidelines. When you guys come together you know, for a short camp like this, what's the chemistry like amongst the playing group and how do you look to build on it? Um, it's easy. It's um, we all come from the same backgrounds and we all know um, the culture of the Tall Blacks. Um, so when we come in here, we know um, what we need to bring and what we uh, what we stand for. With Perry Cameron being such an icon uh, of New Zealand basketball, you yourself, you know, you've given a lot of uh, game time as a player. But what's it like having Piero as your coach? Yeah, it's amazing. Um, he's a icon and a. Um, the Hall of Famer in uh, basketball New Zealand. So just taking a lot of uh, what he says and some of his um, philosophies and just learning a lot off him, it's it's amazing to have him around. 
How do you think he's been able to push the Tall Blacks so far? Where do you think the team is going? Yeah, we're going. We're going. We're definitely going in the right direction. It's um, he's commands a lot of respect. Uh, so all the boys listen and um, all the boys take on what he says. So no, we're going in the right direction, and all we're doing is building for this World Cup. This World Cup has got an X, X on the, that date, so um, we're all excited for it. Nice. Uh, there's one player that Piero has singled out, which is seven foot tall Tyrell Harrison. You've played with him during your time with the Brisbane Bullets. What makes him a player for the fans to watch out for? I mean, he's seven foot, so you're going to see a lot of dunks, a lot of rebounding, um, and he's changing a lot of shots in there as well. So he had a good training yesterday, and um, he's fun to watch. Nice. Uh, and you yourself, you've recently signed with the Auckland Tuatata, signaling your return to the New Zealand NBL. What, ins- what inspired that return for you to return to the league for the first time since 2020? Um, I've been away for two years, two and a half, maybe three years actually, uh, because of COVID. Um, so to come back and play at home, especially in Auckland, uh, where my family is and um, some of my friends. So to be back in Auckland, and like I said, like every decision I've made this year is to um, better myself for the World Cup. And I think being in Auckland will um, be the best chance of me making that World Cup team. Well, I think you've found a pretty good home because the Tuatara are building up one heck of a roster for that 2023 season as they look to go, you know, one further than they did last year. Have you had much to do with Coach Aaron Young before? He's actually one of my really good friends. So um, that I, ha- I haven't played under him, but I know what he's about and I know his philosophies and how he wants to play. So I thought that would fit my style and also um, the player development stuff is also what drew me as well so um, I think they can get me better but we can also um, push for a championship as well The uh, New Zealand NBL has become so much more visible than it ever has before you know when they've got the likes of the ESPN deal with you being based uh, in Melbourne do you how do you think the league has been viewed among those like Australian basketball circles It's one of the top off-season leagues for sure um, The there's I think there's nine teams and a lot of the talent is condensed into those nine teams. So every single night is a good game. And um, a lot of the Australians like going over there to play because they get the competition that they need in the offseason to um, come back into the NBL season and play well. So, no, nah, everyone everyone thinks it's a good league and uh, we can see that coming to fruition through the ESPN deal and um, all those other deals that have uh, popped up. I just want to look a little bit at your time uh, with the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. Were you a bit surprised by uh, Simon Mitchell's decision to step down as head coach? Yeah, I'm not. Um, I haven't actually talked to him personally uh, about his decision, but uh, it's, it's been awesome playing under him for the last three years and um, how he works and uh, the things I've learned off him this last three years, which is um, amazing. And I just wish him all the best and what's what's next to come. You also, when you're with uh, the Phoenix, you play under, you will not play under, you play alongside some pretty impressive guys as well, like Mitch Creek, like Ryan Brokoff. What has that done for your career and your development as a player? Like you talk about, you know, putting the X on the calendar with the World Cup. How does the Phoenix help you there as well? Nah, it's amazing playing under people that have played in the NBA and played in some good leagues. It's just learning every single day what. I can do better in my game, what I can take from their game and just seeing them train and how they get better and yeah, I think for me I'm always a 
um, student of the game, and I think every player is. So just being able to take little bits of um, their games and putting it into mine and seeing how I can be better um, in my working work ethic and whatnot. And we're also seeing a lot of success in the ANBL with their expansion. We've seen how well Tasmania have done in the last couple of years. Southeast Melbourne have done well as well since coming in since 2020. For you, you know, you look at the league, do you see a third Melbourne team working? Yeah, I'm not sure. You're asking the wrong guy. I haven't <laughs> been in Melbourne too long, but um, the NBL have been taking amazing steps to um, growing our league, and I thought that I think they'll make the right decision and where they're going to put their team. They they don't want to take fans from anyone else, but they want to expand this game um, to a, a good level, um, which I think they'll do a good job of. I guess on the other side of that, I mean, you sort of talk about, you know, not wanting to take fans away from other teams, but could you see a second New Zealand team in the mix or do you just think we're all in on the breakers now and that's the one club? <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, I'm actually not too sure. Um, maybe a North Island, South Island team would be pretty cool but because um, oh, I'm pretty sure these South Island people will um, get behind that. Um, it would be interesting. It would be pretty cool though. And a, and a lot of ex, um, exposure to some of these South Island people and uh, maybe the lower side of the North Island would be cool as well. Because it is, it is hard to get all the way up to Auckland to watch some games, but yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, and I guess, I mean, when you look at the New Zealand NBL, you know, the Nelson Giants, the Canterbury Rams, the Otago Nuggets, they all attract great crowds. So I, mean, I can imagine a South Island team doing pretty well. Yeah, that would that would actually be really cool. North Island, South Island team. That would be a good game to go to as well. <laughs> that would be sick. I imagine that rivalry. That would be awesome. It <laughs> would be cool, yeah. Uh, for you yourself, you know, you started your ANPL career with the Breakers uh, as a development player. You've been there for two uh, championship successful championship runs. Uh, looking from the outside in now, with the way that club has turned things around, how do you like their chances against the Sydney Kings? I think if anyone in the NBA were to do it against the Sydney Kings, I think they have the team. Um, you can tell by the buy-in they have from players um, that, yeah, they're, they're, they're a good team. And, the, yeah, the buy-in they've had from players to coaches, um, they have a great, really good shot of um, beating the Sydney Kings for sure. Uh, and last one from me, Ruben. You know, you've been in the AMBL now for uh, a decade. You've notched up over 300 games in that time, just how hard have you had to work on your game to stay competitive as the skill level rises and more star players come? Yeah, uh, I mean a lot. Um, it's crazy that to see the expand, like how big the game has got in Australia and New Zealand. Um, how well the NBL have expanded the game. Um, the talent that's attracted but also when that talent comes over I get to learn off that talent as well so um, just staying on top of my game and working as hard as I can I think um, I'll have 300 more to go <laughs> oh man love to see it uh, <laughs> thanks so much for your time today uh, Ruben Tarangi all the best for the uh, Tall Blacks games this weekend can't wait to watch thanks bro appreciate it okay well that was uh Obviously, Logan Swinkle's uh, questioning uh, Ruben Tarangi a little earlier in the week about uh, what's coming up this week, about his career as well. Why is he one of your favourite players, just by the by? Because, Smithy, he is a player that I was very sad to see leave the New Zealand Breakers uh, after the 2015-2016 season. He was a great part of that team. I love the way he plays the game there uh, as a shooting guard. And then after that, he went on to Brisbane. Now he's gone on to South East Melbourne Phoenix. He seems quite happy in Australia. 
but the fact that he is returning back to the uh, sales NBL for the first time in 2020, I know it does have a lot of people in those circles very excited. Justin Nelson, uh, I actually saw him just the other night at the Warriors season launch. He is very excited about that when I told him I was um, going to chat with uh, Ruben. Uh, he just, yeah, he brings a lot. He brings a lot to the Tall Blacks as well, a lot of experience. Um, so just the fact that he may not wear... Well, it's pink, pink now. He might not wear breakers colours anymore, but at least he still loves to rep New Zealand in the black. Okay, let's uh, look at the the, the matches uh, lined up this weekend, uh, the opponents uh, as well. So what are we expecting here? Bearing in mind, as you pointed out, uh, no breakers because uh, they've got allegiance to the breakers going into the playoffs. So uh, he hasn't uh, he hasn't delved into to that particular squad. Look at let's look at our squad. I like this squad, Smithy. Uh, Taylor Britt, who hasn't committed to uh, a sales NBL team yet, last played with the Canterbury Rams. He's been with the Perth Wildcats, so potentially maybe Hutchie tries to get him to the Nuggets. I don't know if he is. Please do. That's a great idea. Uh, he's got 14 caps to his name. Walter Brown from the Jack Jumpers. He's played one match for the Tall Blacks before. Isaac Futu, 68 caps. A lot of experience there. Hiram Harris, who, who you will know from the Bay Hawks uh, and also with the Adelaide 36ers. He brings a ton of skill. Tyrell Harrison, seven foot tall, as we mentioned in that interview. You're going to see a lot of power there under the rim, dunking, going for the rebounds. He'll be hustling. He'll be making sure that the uh, Tall Blacks get any ball back and get some offensive rebounds. Nico McCulloch, three caps, also not with a sales NBL team yet. Jordan Natai, who has just made that jump from the Wellington Saints to the Bayhawks. He is such a leader on that team. He's such an inspiration. He will definitely help lead the charge there. Richie Roger from the Taranaki Ears. Ethan Rusbatch with 44 caps. Not with the NBL team yet. Ruben Tarangi, Tohi Smith-Milner, another great name that goes in that tall black jersey. He's got 51 caps. And the most exciting one for me, Smithy, we're going to get a debut tonight because Sam Wardenberg has come in to replace Jordan Hunt. Not sure why Jordan isn't available, potentially an injury there. But you might recognize the name. Sam won the the Next Generation Award in the AMBL Awards. Uh, he's been playing for the Kens Taipans in his first year as a pro. He's done, for the Kiwi, uh, coming out of University of Miami, he's done really well as well, uh, averaging 25 minutes. And, I mean, for a rookie alone, I think that is quite impressive. Uh, looking at that, five rebounds a game, 1.1 uh, assists, and he's averaging about 10.7 points. So not too bad for a rookie, after coming off a solid four years there uh, in NCAA. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how he looks in a black jersey, Smithy. Will they be tested this weekend? It's hard to say because, I mean, Saudi Arabia and Lebanon, I mean, they're not players that we see all that often. But we, uh, the, like you saying we, uh, the Tall Blacks were much stronger against Saudi Arabia. They lost to Lebanon, but it was close. Uh, they didn't have Ruben Tarangi in that game, so maybe that's going to be a difference maker uh, there in the backcourt. We'll see. But you do kind of wonder, that's why I, I asked uh, Ruben, you know, what do these games actually mean when you've already qualified? There's, there's still in a FIBA World Cup qualifier uh, window here. 
So what do these games mean to you? And like you said, it's building for momentum. They're building for a better ranking. So come with that draw, they hopefully get a more favourable matchup in their pool, whoever they may face. So I think they're just going to bring it. They're going to bring it. They're going to build that momentum because the World Cup is later on this year, not till August. So that is during NBA off-season, which uh, <laughs> Brian uh, fed the question to me. Oh, do you think Stephen Adams would play in that? No. 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 You think Stephen? No. You think? No. So that's um, that's everything about Stephen Adams, really. Uh, that's still a pipe dream, isn't it, that one day he will wear uh, the black jersey, as you call it. Yeah, well, my theory on that is that Stephen Adams will do it when the time is right. You've got to think about his NBA career, uh, the contract that is involved there, the money, the insurance, all that sort of stuff. I see him doing it one day for an Olympics. That's when I see Stephen Adams representing New Zealand. It's in basketball at the Olympics, and I guess it won't be Paris. Well, hmm, I was trying to think. He might be getting on a little bit there. Could he make LA? Mm. Who's to say? But I, I, I just think the Olympics is the time when we will finally see Stephen Adams play for New Zealand. Okay, basketball uh, covered there by Logan Swinkles with his interview with uh, Ruben Tarangi. Two bits of success for New Zealand this morning. They won the toss. Uh, Tim Southey won the toss. Uh, and they have got their first wicket too. They've got uh, Zach Crawley out uh, caught by uh, Tom Blundell. Bold Matt Henry back into the side. Just the three specialist seamers. The three specialist seamers in the side today, so they've got to make it work with a new ball, and they have thus far. Nine for one England going into the fifth over, so uh, Duckett at the crease and uh, Ollie Pope there as well has joined him. Uh, 11.21, uh, when we come back, we're going to pay a little bit of a tribute to uh, what I believe to be one of the great broadcasters. Are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Turn up the volume, we're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Well, it's 11.27, we're heading across to the sports desk where, of course, uh, Logan Swinkles is uh, also sitting. Uh, and uh, tribute time, I think, for uh, one of the great football broadcasting voices, uh, John Motson. A terrific uh, period of time where he was uh, calling a lot of British football, English games, of course, uh, a voice so recognisable uh, and no longer with us. Uh, so, yeah, John Motson, sadly missed, he'll be. Yeah, passed away in his sleep, covered 10 World Cups, 10 European Championships and 29 FA Cup Finals for the BBC Sport before he retired back in 2018. Just one of the absolute voices of football, Smithy. So I've been busy this morning trying to find a few clips. I'll save the best for last, but this was Motson commentating Brighton's very first goal in the English Premier League. Solly marches cross. Gross is there. Can he do it? What an historic moment at the Amex. Brighton and Hove Albion 1, West Bromwich Albion 0. So I think for a lot of listeners, Smithy, as soon as you hear that clip, you recognise that voice. They're just, as you said, mm. one, of the, one of the great broadcasters. He just brought so much to the world of football, didn't he? Well, he did. And, and what they did was, uh, and they still do to a certain extent, they don't have co-commentators. So the likes of John Motson used to carry a whole 90-plus minutes of football with his own voice. 
uh, hard, hard thing to do. Hard thing to do. A lot of them don't have uh, analysts uh, alongside them. It depends on the style they want to th- uh, produce, but just a solo commentator. Uh, but that's such a recognisable uh, voice in so many great English football moments in particular. Um, but there's another one you want to highlight. Yeah, another one. Thierry Henry, of course, you know him from Arsenal, but after uh, over 250 appearances for the Gunners, he went on to Barcelona and then the New York Red Bulls uh, in Major League Soccer. Before he was then, and in between that, he went on loan to Arsenal in 2012. It was a great return, I could say that, and this is how it sounded. Somebody at his back there, but he's managed to hold him off, and it's Arshavin just bringing the ball inside for Arsenal. Arshavin square to Song, centre of the field, 25 yards out. Alex Song. Oh, and he's found Thierry Henry in the box. And Henry is through. He's done it. The moment they all wanted. And it's happened at the Emirates within minutes of him coming on. And the celebration is absolutely unbounded here. He's run all the way round the pitch to Arsene Wenger and hugged the manager and and the other Arsenal players have surrounded him. It's Thierry Henry for Arsenal. If you recognise the voice, it just clicked <laughs> in my mind as well. He also voiced a lot of the FIFA video games. So that is kind of the introduction for a lot for a lot of people, I guess younger people. But there's one mm. moment in history, Smithy, there's one line that I think John Motson will be remembered for the most and this is back in 1988 in the FA Cup final between Wimbledon and Liverpool. The crazy gang have beaten the culture club. Wimbledon have destroyed Liverpool's dreams of the double. And all over the pitch, their players are celebrating something which a few years ago would have been impossible. Sporting gesture by the Liverpool supporters. Her Royal Highness applauds one of the great cup shocks of all time. Yep, Her Royal Highness Princess Diana Smithy in attendance there. What a line that is. Mm, what a line that is. And uh, he's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, John Watson. Anything else from the desk? Because there, there was a thrilling cricket match overnight. There was. Australia, as you can imagine, Australia have beaten India through to the T20 World Cup final, as they do. And this is how that sounded. Boundary needed for India. Down the ground, off the boundary line. Again in the shadows, it's Perry. How good has she been in the field for Australia in the last couple of overs? Saved the boundary on a couple of occasions, then takes the catch. It's up and over, but it will not matter. Australia are through to their seventh final in a row in this T20 format. And they were pushed all the way by India. This team that are looking for a hat-trick of titles have once again shown the world why they are one of the very best going around. Oh, it is really hard to go up against that team, Smithy. They won by five runs, so it was close. I will give India that, but now they'll either face England or host South Africa in the final. That final coincidentally happens at 2 a.m. our time Monday morning. Interesting. Very interesting. Thanks for that uh, coming in from uh, the sports desk. Uh, a couple of uh, 
updates to give you, in particular the cricket. 21 for 2 now, England. 21 for 2. So uh, they're going for it. But uh, is this the day when it all turns to custard? Uh, Tim Southey winning the toss. And Matt Henry has got both wickets. 2 for 17 off uh, three overs. Uh, and just uh, Neil Wagner as well to support that bowling group. So the three of them, the three experienced bowlers, have an opportunity. And uh, New Zealand are taking a review, I believe, on Joe Root for an LBW. So we'll just uh, keep you up to date with that. Uh, okay, let's say uh, let's dial in. Eh, 0800 uh, And let's uh, play Stump Smithy for a hundred bucks. A hundred bucks going into the weekend for a hundred dollars. Uh, 0800-150-811. Let's uh, slightly belatedly head across to the news desk. And uh, here from Aroha. Vodafone has one awesome summer of sport lined up for you. Making SENZ news this hour. Hawke's Bay Emergency Management's planning for precautionary evacuations of the Esk Valley today. A decision will be made later this morning as the Met Service updates warnings and watches across the country. Precautionary evacuations of dozens of homes happened overnight at the Mangahauini River catchment and Tokumaru Bay Township. Mayor Heat Stoltz said they were precautionary. Meanwhile, Auckland Emergency Management is urging people to stay away from existing landslide areas with heavy rain and severe thunderstorms on the way. SCNZ Radio.NZ Sport next. Download the SCNZ app today and listen live or catch up on anything you missed from your favourite show. Former All Blacks coach John Hartz told Mornings with Ian Smith he was disappointed around the publicity surrounding the All Blacks coaching role. And Super Rugby Opiki returns Saturday with the Hurricanes Bowa taking on the Chiefs Manawa and Levin tomorrow afternoon. More Inside 30 on SENZ. Grow your future on a fertile foundation with Legion Perennial Ryegrass. Agricom's complete all-rounder. Auckland weather, periods of rain heavy at times with thunderstorms and downpours possible. High 19, low 13. Catch live commentary of the New Zealand Breakers and the Australian National Basketball League finals next month on SENZ or download the SENZ app. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Oh, it's Friday and it means we're up for a $100 TAB bonus bet here on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Why? Because Smithy got a last ball stumping yesterday. And you are just starting to make that more and more regular, Smithy. Your form this season, the 2023 season, has been pretty, pretty good so far, I would say. Yeah, focused. A bit more focused this year, I think it's fair to say. I've had spent a bit of time in Australia and... Uh, took a you know a bit of time out and thought to myself how can I improve my game and that and that I think is the answer to that is take more notice of what's going on uh, that might help uh, so that's what I've tried to do so uh, I, I'm going to be a bit tougher this year I, and um, I, I really don't fear anybody I'm playing with Baz's English attitude here <laughs> I don't fear anybody come at me with your best new ball attack and um, I'll have you I'll have you to the, and so who have we got today. After all that waffle, who we got? Oh, I like this. You went to the brain gym and now you're ready to go. Well, before we get into our first contestant and the topics for those listening at home, this is how the game works. We have three categories to choose from today. 
If the contestant gets a question wrong, then it's over to Smithy for a chance to knock their bales off. Get out within the first two questions, and it's on to the next caller in line. Get dismissed on the final question, and we jackpot on Monday for $150. So with that out of the way, we introduce David from Wellington to the crease. Come in, mate. Oh, good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Yeah, good, David. Nice to uh, hear from you. So you didn't get a ticket for the cricket? <laughs> no, so I've got to work, sadly. And Leeds boss oh, didn't okay. like the idea of cricket, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, they uh, had an interesting first 35 minutes because England are now 21 for three. Oof. 21 for three after just uh, 6.4 overs. So there you go. Tim Southey uh, has uh, pulled the right reins this morning. He's got his first wicket himself. Rightio, David, uh, let's uh, tell you and inform you of your categories this morning, Logan. They are rugby, basketball and golf. Take a pick, David. (laughs) Couldn't you say cricket? (laughs) Okay, in that case, we'll go with rugby. All right, good luck. To be fair, probably what, uh, four out of the five days a week cricket is on there. First question for you, David. <laughs> I love how Brian uh, structures some of these questions. <laughs> Maria Falau's husband is Super Rugby's all-time top try scorer with 60 meat pies. The top 10 includes eight retirees and two currently active players, both of whom have a shot at breaking that record this weekend. Can you name either of those players? No, <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't. Oh, you know what, Smithy? I've been kind of trying to toy with this idea. They do it with Quizzy Dag of a hint. I'm gonna try it here, just with David. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say Wellington. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to take one of the two pearls out of me so far. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy. Got to have longevity here, don't you? You've got to have longevity. Got to be around a long time. Uh, I'm going to go Julian Savia. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yep, Julian Savia has 57. TJ Perinata was the other name, 58. Okay. The Wellington clue was a big one. Uh, <laughs> David, have a terrific week. Have a, t- a terrific weekend, mate. Thanks very much for your time this Thank morning. You. Who's Who's next on the list? Oh, oh, he's feeling it. He's feeling it. Jared from Christchurch, are you feeling it? Are you ready to go? Oh, I don't know. I think I'm under the pump and lucky enough two days in a row. Oh, that's right. All right, we'll see how you go with your rugby, mate. Second question. (laughs) Who has the record for most tries in a single match in Super Rugby history? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. I swear, with these kind of questions, Dougie Howlett always comes up. (laughs) I was going to say Doug Howlett. I was going to say Doug Howlett. Um, So how far back are we going here? Quite some way. Um, I'm thinking we might go Marika Vunabaka. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Back in 2021, so not that long ago, five tries between the Chiefs and the Waratahs, Sean Wainui. The late Sean Wainui. Okay. Still got that record. Very sad case, that. Um, 
So, okay, Sean Wainui, uh, neither of us got that. Jared, um, you've got a chance here for 100 bucks, mate. I'm backing you. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> All right, the last question might be a tricky one, but if you've been paying attention, you might know the answer. Which Kiwi sharp shoot, sharp, sorry, I'm going to start that again. Which Kiwi sharp shooter owns the Super Rugby record for most conversions in a match? It had to be Dan Carter, wouldn't it? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. DC 10, always a great guess, but unfortunately not. Most conversions in a match. Most conversions in a match? Mm Mm-hmm. Sean Wainui scoring five tries, so there's a lot of tries in that game. Uh, I'm going to go, this is a a bit of a weird one here, but I'm going to go for Damien McKenzie. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. I don't know if he'd be listening to the show because he's now in Paris, but Andrew Murdens was the answer I was looking for. Oh, Mets. Good old Mets. Hey, all those years back. Fantastic. Oh, well, uh, being uh, from Christchurch, Jared, you'll be pretty happy with uh, Andrew Mertens uh, kicking those, so you're, uh, you've won 100 bucks, mate. Congratulations. Oh, thanks very much. It's a very good day. Hey, um, I was just wondering... Uh, if it's possible to um, donate my hundred dollars, or you with uh, your your multi brain smithy put it to a multi and see if we can uh, donate some money for uh, uh, up in your neck of the woods. Uh, for what well, how about how about we how about how about we go for this one? All right, because uh, this will be a good reward. This is the one I've recommended today, and Jared, thanks very much for your generosity. But we, if we're going to have a crack, we might as well make it worthwhile because they need a lot of money. Uh, so that's the yeah. Crusaders versus the Chiefs tonight. Any forward to score the first try, $2.75. Moana Pacifica to beat the Drua, two fifteen. I don't think that's outrageous. And the Mariners and the Phoenix to draw, I think that's going to be very close to that game at three seventy five. So that's $22.17, Jared. $22.17. 100 on that is $2,210. What do you reckon? There you're talking. Okay, you're we'll talking. do that. Put that on for us, buddy. We'll sort that out. We will sort that out. Uh, Jared, don't worry about that. Uh, Brian's uh, onto that already. I can see him working away. So uh, thank you for your generosity um, and have a terrific weekend, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. You too. Thanks very much. And, and the privilege to be on the show again. Thanks again. Yeah. Cheers, Jared. Uh, and uh, a real vested interest we've got in that multi, folks. Uh, what a return that would be. So 11.43, speaking of returns, uh, Michael Guerin returns to the show very shortly. Service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is uh, 11.48 here on SENZ. Time to catch up with uh, McGuerin, of course, a busy weekend across the carnival, uh, across the weekend in, in terms of uh, harness racing uh, and in terms of uh, thoroughbred racing as well. But Mick, harness-wise, Cambridge and Cromwell grass today. Uh, Ashburton tomorrow and Cambridge again on Sunday. Yeah, morning, Smithy. Big hi to all your listeners around the country. I hope people are as best they can, staying dry and staying safe. Um, it's a busy time, and we don't only have those ones with, as you mentioned, Cromwell having a two-day grass meeting, so really important the rain doesn't hit down there. Cambridge tonight's a really good meeting. Ashburton Cup Day tomorrow um, so that's all really good stuff and then tomorrow night at Menangle which is about an hour outside Sydney 
There's about five or six New Zealand horses racing at the highest level against the Aussies. One of them's favourite for the New South Wales Oaks, a horse called Carlua Flyby, and a couple of horses in BD Joe, Ultra Wise Guy, and and Krug. So three of them trying to get into the Miracle Mile for a million dollars next Saturday. They need to run one or two in the preludes tomorrow night. So we are very much spreading the harness racing talent net far and wide over all parts of the country and across the Tasman. Right. Um, not only harness, uh, of course, this weekend, but uh, also some terrific uh, galloping uh, meetings as well with Group 1, of course, at uh, Otaki. You'll be, you'll be looking very closely at these meetings, what, tomorrow morning? Yeah, tomorrow morning. So we've got myself and Louis Herman what at 8 o'clock on um, the mail run. Crucial information straight out of the top of the hour, 5 past 8. What's the track going to be like? As we know, weather is the absolute subject on everybody's lips in New Zealand at the moment. And while it's not as important what happens at the races, <clears throat> if you're going to have a bet, you still need to know how the track's going to be. $300,000 El Cheapo Kart Classic at Otaki tomorrow. None of the big players, Smithy, want it heavy. Now, at the moment, the tracks are five, and it's fine. But we know that the way things are going at the moment, the weather can change really quickly. So tomorrow morning, not only are we going to talk to people with horses at Matamata, at Otaki, and some of the horses across the Tasman, but we'll get those track conditions for you and see how they affect the markets and try and make sense of it all. Then with the harness racing front, as mentioned, most people aren't going to stay up till midnight on Saturday night listening to the New Zealand horses in Sydney. Greg O'Connor and I are on Cox Talk at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. We'll get those replays, talk about those horses, talk about who's in the Miracle Mile, and try and find you some winners for <coughs> excuse me, Cambridge and Cromwell on the second day. So really busy, active, and quite fluid situation with what's going on in New Zealand racing and a lot of information. So we'll try and get rid of some of the, uh, the the less important stuff and try and really, really hone in on finding people some winners, but also giving them that information. Because, Smithy, unlike footy season where there's one game at a time, there's so much racing on at the moment, and it's all on at the same time. For example, three domestic meetings tomorrow. People miss a lot of stuff. Mm. So what we're going to try and do is tell you what happened and tell you what we think is going to happen. Look forward to uh, it, Mac. And um, have, have you got one for us? Have, have you got a sneaky for us tonight? Look, I, I, I like one tonight, and it's a, good, it's a good background story. I'll make it nice and quick. Race seven at Cambridge tonight. Number two is a horse called Jollamont. Now it's owned by Tommy Hippenstall, who's owned a truckload of good gallopers. He owns Tavistock. Mm. He owns a lot of good gallopers. A couple years ago, he's coming back through quarantine. Remember that the quarantine hotels? long time ago now. Mm. He was in quarantine. He's watching the box seat. He's on his iPad board, as you are in quarantine. Here's the people in the box seat praising a young trainer called Arna Donnelly. He's never met her before. He rings her out of the blue. This happens when you're in quarantine. and says, I've got 20000 for you to go to the sales and buy me a horse. To this day, he's only met her once. Shook her hand once. She went to the sales, bought this horse, Jolamont, for $31,000. You could probably sell it tomorrow for 150 So just goes to show you the Oof. occasional power of the media and good publicity. As Anna said, best owner I've ever had. He pays his bills on time. I've met the guy once. Mick, Garen, always a pleasure talking to you and hearing your, your, your great background stories as well. Hey, have a terri ter uh, terrific weekend, Mick, uh, whatever you're doing. You too, brother.
Cheers, uh, Mick Garen there, folks. 11.53, time to catch up with Staffy very shortly.